On this episode, we discuss The Snowman. The worst Marvel movie yet. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, great energy, Dan. I'm Stuart Wellington. Stuart, I like those compliments you're giving to Dan. I'm Elliot Kalin. Oh, thanks. I mean, thanks to Stuart, I guess. And thanks to Elliot for the compliment. Yeah, and you're hey, welcome no to problem. everyone. This is, this is a positivity podcast where we try to be supportive of each other and just kind of generally, you know, complimentary. So, guys, you're doing great. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to say, this podcast has been a total failure on my end. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Elliot, you're doing pretty good at manipulating uh, the Skype uh, on your phone slash computer today. Yeah, thank you. Is that thank another compliment? <laughs> and uh, I don't know if that's sarcastic or not. Uh, and Dan, you have a beard. Thanks. Uh, I mean, Guys, it's more of an observation than a compliment, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Guys, I think I want to let you put your own spin on it. Today's a good time for me to talk about a problem I have, which is um, me, like millions of Americans, suffers from always sounding sarcastic syndrome. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. David Kalen syndrome, it's called. Yeah. I can't say something nice uh, without sounding like I'm being an asshole. Uh, and I don't know what to do about it. Probably not host a podcast ra- <laughs> dragging bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I like um, to do is I like to yeah. what I like to do is I put I put my fingers up and I do kind of quote marks around what I'm saying because it's uh-huh. like nothing's more sincere than when you quote someone to show them that you respect what they say. So when I give someone a compliment, I put quote marks around it with my fingers so that they know I'm being sincere. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. Are, who are you quoting when you're complimenting them? Myself. OK. <laughs> All right. Well, that checks out, I guess. <laughs> um so i guess this is a bad movie podcast yep that's what people tell and me And what does that mean how does that it work means, how does a bad movie well, po- do we make a bad movie every episode <laughs> yes and we are way in the hole we have spent <laughs> so much money uh i've had to mortgage my house that i don't have it's weird <laughs> oh boy um no but we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it uh-huh. that's the way it works so let me get this straight so it's a two-step <laughs> process uh-huh yeah. Okay. Number so the one. first step, watching. We watch the bad movie. Mm-hmm. What's the second step? Then, I like to watch Elliot. Dan, now Dan's doing <laughs> a weird bit in the middle of the other dumb bit. Yeah. So um, Dan, I started a dumb bit that was just about wasting time, and then you started a creepy <laughs> bit that was about creeping me out, and you succeeded. <laughs> that's gross and weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, see, we that's the great movie. thing about recording a show remotely is that when Dan does a creepy bit, Elliot has a moment where he's like, and is there something to be lost in translation by not being in the room? Yeah. Is that yeah. not actually creepy? No, I tried to but make a I also- creepy face at Elliot, but it's hard to do it over the like, little Skype camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I had a moment where I was like, oh, thank goodness I'm not in that room with creepo Dan McCoy being a creepy creep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is a compliment it's- podcast. yeah where we try to keep the positivity up so dan keep Mm -hmm. creeping you're the number one creep you're doing great Mm -hmm. thanks 
so this episode, we watched a little movie called The Snowman. Talk about creepy, right, guys? Mm-hmm. The Greatest oh, yeah, Snowman, this- starring Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Jack Frost starring Michael Keaton as a dead jazz musician who comes back as a snowman, terrifying his child, right? And then that snowman attacks a woman in a shower. Yeah. That's and the that other one. And that woman's name was Shannon Elizabeth. And now you yep. know which, the rest of the story. Which, wait, which one had a lentricular cover where when you change <laughs> it, the, the snowman's face gets scary? That was the, the horror Jack one. Frost. Yeah. Had the okay. lentricular cover because it tricked you into, <laughs> into watching What the is movie. it, lenticular? lenticular? I don't give a fuck. It should be tricular. Because it you turn it and you see the image you change, tic- you're like, that tickles me. It That's a good mnemonic Jesus device. Eyes follow you around the room. <laughs> Stuart, did you say that's a good umami device? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Now, this the snowman. <laughs> Guys... He gave us all the clues. We knew it was going to be a bad movie. Why'd yeah. we watch it, Mr. Police? Yeah, why do we watch it, Dan? So, uh, well, uh, this is... Dan, what drew you to this? Because I know you really wanted to watch it, right? Uh, I did really want to watch it. I mean, part of it was curiosity because I read the book. I, uh, I've i read a number of the books uh, starring Harry Hole, or is it <laughs> pronounced in the original uh, language, Harry Hula. So it's not a gross That's pun. That's even sillier. <laughs> I thought the name Harry Hole couldn't get sillier, but Harry Hula is even sillier. The Great Harry Hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So Mr. Genitals so or Mr. Asshole like, or whatever he is. is a great so Dan, Dan, we're going to have to look Dan, into this Harry Hole. <laughs> Dan, did you uh, – so – when you when you got into those books, would you say you fell down a hairy rabbit hole? <laughs> yes, I would say that because I'm a fool. <laughs> uh, now these books are written by Joe Nesbo, which yeah. sounds like uh, it's like a Frank Zappa kid type name, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it's really just a Scandinavian guy, right? Dan, yeah, it's part of the like wave of Scandinavian crime fiction that started with like you know, girl with a dragon tattoo. Uh, Is that where it started? Well, I mean, that's where it got a foothold in America. Okay. I don't know about, you know, in Scandinavia itself. And it continued um, on until Amy Schumer's Girl with the Back Tattoo. Yes. Lower back tattoo, Elliot. Lower back tattoo. Um, I'm so sorry. And I was curious about this movie because, like, there's nothing that there's nothing <laughs> in the rule book that says that this had to be a bad movie. I mean, it's based on an <laughs> no. it, it's based <laughs> It's based on a trashy wait, book. Wait, let me check. Okay, yeah, you're right, Dan. <laughs> The book was trashy, but it was entertaining and diverting, and you know it was a page turner. You got Thomas Alfredson uh, directing it, who did Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Let the Right One In. Mm-hmm. Uh, good movies. Uh, Thelma Schoonmaker was the editor, and she's Martin Scorsese's longtime editor. You got Michael Fassbender and Rebecca Ferguson in the main roles, like, and and Charlotte Gainsbourg. Yeah, Charlotte Gainsbourg. You've got you a got great J.K. Cast. Simmons, and Val Kilmer, and J.K. Yeah. Simmons. Yeah, so it's, it's, everything about this movie was set up to be a number one hit success, was it, Dan? Yeah. No, it was. It was. It was widely <laughs> panned. It was uh, avoided by the public, uh, and it launched a thousand memes because the Mister Police. Uh, I gave you all the clues. Uh, advertisement 
was very popular on the internet. <laughs> very popular the- and inaccurate. It, it implies a game of cat and mouse between a policeman and a killer, which the movie does not bear out. Now keep in mind, and this is something I didn't realize till I started reading about it afterwards, that apparently their shooting schedule was too short and 10 to 15% of the screenplay was not shot. So I guess they apparently they went into the editing room and they were like, uh, wait a minute, we missed some stuff. <laughs> so like, that's one of the reasons the movie makes no sense. And character, there's a, like, J.K. Simmons character, I... We'll get into it. I don't even know why he's in the movie. Like, it's there's yeah. a whole subplot that goes nowhere. And you know what? I don't need my subplots to go somewhere. I'm fine with that casino world in The Last Jedi. I enjoyed that. I don't need my subplots to be elegantly tied into the ending. But at least give me some reason for why this character is skulking around in an opera house looking at topless women. Dan? But I mean, he... <laughs> um... <laughs> I think the movie wanted to be a little sleazier, so it had to put a topless woman in there. I, I don't know. I mean, but so we can all agree that J.K. Simmons looks great in this movie. Oh, he's jacked. Like, he's <laughs> jacked. You put him in that suit, and you're like, J.K. Oh, looking like gorgeous. a snack. Am I right? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Am I J- right? <laughs> J.K. His, yeah, his name means just keep doing what you're doing, J.K. Simmons. <laughs> you're faster uh, with an also, initials joke than me. They, oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, well, that's why that's I. Right. That's why it's a, it's a tough life I leave because everyone's always trying to best me in quickness with initials jokes, and I just want to rest. I don't want to have yeah. to constantly defend my title. But every <laughs> yeah, punk why, kid who why? wants to make a name for himself wanders into my one horse town, decides mm-hmm. that he wants to show he's faster with an initials joke. And I've killed so <laughs> many kids that way. Oh, terrible. Elliot always has to sit with his back to the wall so that a kid doesn't run up and try and out reference him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so should we get into the plot of this movie and which eventually lead us to the one great thing in it, which is uh, Val Kilmer's weirdly dubbed voice? Because I'd like to get to that <laughs> point. Sure. Let's get into the plot that is so fucking twisty. I, I can't make heads or tails of it. And I read the book again. It's but. like a mountain pass in a dark night. So did you read this book, The Snowman, starring oh, yeah. this guy? Yes. Yeah, it was it was the first book in the series that I read, and it hooked me on the series. So I obviously enjoyed it enough that I thought this might have the slight chance of being good, but we'll see what we all thought. So the movie opens up <laughs> like in fucking Norway, and it's yeah. it's all snowy and shit. Yeah, what country yep, is this actually? That's exactly the case. Norway. Is it Norway? All right. Yeah. Norway. It's in Oslo, it's in yeah. So we see uh, this this kid lives in a an isolated house in the middle of the winter, with his mom and a guy who calls himself the kid's uncle comes by and tests him on facts of Norwegian history. And whenever the teen gets an answer wrong, the uncle hits the mom and when she uh, drops coffee beans up. all over the floor. Yeah. And the kid, that's what those are, right? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I think or either that or their mouse pellets. I don't know something, but mm-hmm. uh, the, the kid goes outside to make a snowman while the uncle, in quotes, not quoting anybody, this is to say that he's not really the uncle, and the mom have an illicit rendezvous. It turns out that guy is the mom's mistress and must be the kid's son. In fact, she says as much. But he wants nothing to do with that family, and he leaves. The mom takes the teen, drives him onto an ice lake, and then he gets out of the car, but she won't, and he watches as she just drowns herself inside of a car. And I'm sure, like any teen, what he's thinking is, hey, I wanted to use that car. I want to go down to the mall to see my friends. Mom, mom, let me use the car. Oh, I can't use it forever? Thanks, mom. Anyway, the, that's the end of that prologue. So much of that opening feels 
like feels like digitally enhanced to the point that I'm like this, what, what this, I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) Are they (laughs) robots? It felt to me like I was watching, I was watching a scene from a, from even not having seen any of this movie. It felt like I was watching a scene from a different movie that suddenly got spliced onto the tape. Like, Oh yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on and I don't care. This feels like the scene that would show up normally, like right after the reveal of the killer. And you're like, oh, that's why he's a killer, because he was abused. And victims of trauma and abuse are always murderers. They're dangerous. Can't have them in society. Well, it's not too much of a spoiler at this point to like, and you know, you know that this prelude has something to do with the killer and is probably the origin story of the killer. So it's not a spoiler. Yeah, because that's how movies work, Dan. This is the origin story of the killer. They just decided to give you a little extra tail at the beginning to wet your whistle for Norwegian (laughs) depression. Here's a little little booze boosh of misery for you before we get into the real story. (laughs) A serious man kind of does that with the whole Dybbuk story. uh, That's true. A serious man does do that. (laughs) Doesn't really relate back to the the rest of everything but <laughs> so in dan's words the snowman as good as a serious man <laughs> but i love <laughs> i love the fact that like he goes outside to build a snowman and like i guess that's the origin story of the fact that he weaves snowman into his killings later on like i mean yeah, yeah. they talk he about remembers that, right? but like the idea that this kid remembers like well on the day that my mom died i built a snowman so but isn't i guess he like, that's my thing now isn't he always making the snowman like as a to sit there like looking at the women he's about to murder accusingly yeah like i don't know that's his like judgmental alter ego is this little <laughs> snow guy i with, mean all with, of that might have been explained more clearly if they had shot the i have to assume 20 pages of script that were that were left out why yeah. why snowman in particular but, okay, we don't have time for that because now it's the present day or some other time. Michael Fassbender is a drunk a guy who's asleep in an ice fishing shack, wakes up and goes off to his home. He's Harry Hole. He's a homicide detective who doesn't lot of, have a lot of work to do because right, there's not a lot of homicides in Norway. Speaking of his but, home, it is offensive to me that at nowhere do we see a bit of set dressing of like a little like – a little like woodwork thing that calls his apartment Harry's hole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just fucking bullshit, dude. I mean, he is in Norway where the language is different. So that might be part of it. <laughs> but no, other than the fact that they tell you it's in Norway, you see no Norwegian written anywhere in this film. Nowhere, no uh, one has a Norwegian accent. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. I, the fact that it's Nor- it, Norway is just represented by the kind of cold, sexless architecture and interior design where everything is kind of functional and uninteresting for the most part. Like that's I mean, what symbolizes Norway. I think I read somewhere where they even like changed the signs on the police cars. So it doesn't have the Norwegian <laughs> word for police. Like, well, I, I mean, I, that kind of like, yeah, Dan, I kind of like that. I mean, like that's a choice that you can make. Like you can, you, you can set a thing in a place and just be like, well, we see everything in in English, so we assume it's a Norwegian. Like I, I find it weird when you like set, we have some kind of like Babelfish in our exactly. eyeballs. Exactly. Like I find it weirder <laughs> in movies where you set it in a different country and everyone feels like they have to speak in that accent, as if what they do in that country is just walk around speaking English with a different accent all the time. But that is what like, they do, right? I've never been anywhere. Isn't that how other countries work? <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Like if you go to France, everyone's like, hello, how are you? Oh, right. well, welcome to France. If you get Plimser language tapes, they're actually just uh, dialect coaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's it's weird to set a movie in a place and then make the choice to denude that place of much of its identifying marks. Because at that right. point, why didn't they just set this in like a small Midwestern town in America that doesn't have a lot of killings? Or set it in, uh, th- th- and a big subplot is whether Oslo is going to get the World Cup. So it's like what you're, everyone's talking about how great Oslo is and how we're all so proud of being Norwegian. But I mean, that was the that was much, the emotional climax of the movie, right? Is <laughs> yeah. when we're all like, yeah, and the music swells. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just a freeze frame of J.K. Simmons pumping his fist in the air and then credits roll, and then the movie <laughs> continues. <laughs> so anyway, Michael Fassbender's this depressed cop. It doesn't help that his apartment is full of dry rot and mold, and he can't live in it because they're cleaning it out all the time. It's symbolic but, of uh, the, like, just like the shit he's dealing with, you know, man. Yeah, yeah he's got a corrupted soul. Yeah. But yeah, he's, he's like he's John also, Constantine. He seems to be... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he sold his soul to three different demons, and uh, mm-hmm. they can't go to. They can't. He can't die, or else hell will go to war. So, yeah. I, here's the here's the thing that I I kind of don't remember about Constantine. Why were they so eager to have his soul? Those three demons. You'd think like he's just kind of this like wastrel British drunk who smokes too much. You'd think one of the demons would be like, you know what? It's not worth it. Like you guys just take him. I mean, I I I think. Part of the argument is that you're trying to say that like demons are actually pretty understanding chill things as opposed to like the embodiment of evil and that's like avarice and greed. Yeah, that's a good point. Now Touché, like, the, Stuart. like these surfer demons who are like, yeah, I could take your soul, but there's some pretty sweet breaks today. Yeah, just accept it and move on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Demon with a puka shell necklace is just kind of like a beach bum. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I could collect souls and be like a prince of hell or whatever, but I don't know, man. Like, what does that mean in the end? I'm just here for now, you know? Anyway, look a- at that. check out that curl. I got to hit those waves. <laughs> I'm just a lion's head surrounded by goat legs, dude. Why don't I put, why don't I put sandals on those five goat legs? <laughs> okay, so... Uh, he's falling apart anyway, but his tough his tough boss has been covering for him as he disappears from work on kind of like benders. Uh, but he gets a cryptic note in the mail on beautiful robin's egg blue stationery with a drawing of a snowman at the bottom, and the note is just is like a poem about snowman. Uh, yeah, and it says, "Do you want to build he- a snowman?" Yeah, yeah. Come on and go. Let's go and play. I okay. never see you anymore. Da, 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 da. I don't remember the rest of the words. I could count. Uh, I know I could count on you to take it since you have a kid. <laughs> I know. Well, I, we used to listen to those songs all the time, and we haven't listened in song that I've forgotten all of them. Uh, oh no, I never see you anymore. Come out the door. It's like you've gone away. We used to be best buddies, but now we're not. I wish you would tell me why. Do you want to build a snowman? It doesn't have to be a snowman. Right. On a go. Okay, bye. <laughs> and then it goes, knock, 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 knock. Podcast, Do you want to build a snowman? Or ride our bikes around the hall? Oh, God. Why did yeah, I Are Your company is overdue. I started talking to the pictures on the wall. Hang in there, Joan. The book is it going gets a little... <laughs> 
Uh, it's a hit song from the biggest animated film of all time, Stuart. Anyway. Shrek? Uh, we also learned that. <laughs> yeah. Sh- what you say? Shrek? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was recently told a story about uh, apparently for Shrek, they hired a bunch of people to write like a big opening musical number that would explain all the characters and that they like put weeks of work into it and made and and put this song together and presented it to Jeffrey Katzenberg and he was like that was great guys that was great but we just got the rights to Smash Mouth song All Stars so we're just going to use that <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of putting work into a score that's not being used apparently this movie had a Johnny Greenwood score and they didn't use it oh wow and they replaced him with Marco Beltrami <laughs> yeah which i mean Marco Beltrami don't get me wrong has dropped some <laughs> sick ass scores <laughs> I wonder what was wrong with Johnny Green. Well, maybe they accidentally hired Lee Greenwood. Oh, yeah. It was all <laughs> really so was like, We can't have all this patriotic America music in this yeah. Norway movie. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So we also learned that Harry Hole has an estranged son named Oleg and an ex-wife whose name I did not catch. Uh, there's uh, a couple wait a minute. characters in the movie whose names I just... Wait a minute. Uh, she's an ex-girlfriend, and that's not his actual son, no, right? No, it, it is his actual son, but Oleg doesn't know that. Oh shit! That's what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm like oh, Oleg. That is not that is not clear in the movie. In the movie, I was never sure if it was his real son or not, and I was never sure if she was his ex wife or his ex girlfriend. People kept saying to Harry Hole, "He's not your real son. You don't have to worry about it." But it was like I, I don't know. It was it was it was that clear in the books? Is that what it is, Dan? Yes. Uh, okay. Now I believe I'm right about this. I, I feel now. I, now I feel weird about my certainty about it. But so you mentioned you mentioned a moment where Harry gets a note in the mail, and that's actually I think the one scene I really liked in the movie, or the little touch where he's in the cafeteria and he puts his food down, and then he actively goes and takes the second chair from the table and moves it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good touch. Uh, yeah. And so. Uh, and and uh, Harry Hole's ex girlfriend, mother of his possible son, has a new boyfriend, Matthias, who is mm-hmm. a he's some kind of hormone doctor. He's like a doctor, basically. Yeah, yeah. he uh, and, like, uh, uh, Harry thinks he's a plastic surgeon at first, but yeah, I think his he he explains that it's uh, that much of that stuff is dealt with with hormones now, and he seems very jovial and eager to give Harry some medication. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about him, like, and, and this this character, everything about him screams, there's something off with this character, because if there wasn't, why would he have such a large part in every scene that he's in? Yeah. Like, well, he gets... Yes, Dan? Yeah, I mean, Roger Ebert used to have something called the Law of Conservation of Characters, where he he stated that any character that seems extraneous to the plot is probably, like, ends up being the killer. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, well, spoiler, spoiler alert. alert, yeah, maybe. Uh, meanwhile, there's a woman with a red scarf. She's a mom. She gets home. She's just hanging out on her own after she puts her daughter to bed. Her husband was mad and left and because she was like getting home from work and he had to go somewhere. A snowball gets thrown at her window and she looks out and sees a snowman in her yard peeping at her. Uh oh. And by snowman, I mean literally like just a childish snowman, three lumps of snow with some coal in his face. Uh Harry goes to his office. There's a new there's a new cop there. She's a lady. Her name's Katrine, which I only knew because I looked it up on Wikipedia afterwards because I missed, I think, the one time they mentioned her name and <laughs> the rest of the movie, no one addresses her or anything like that. Well, there's and, the uh, moment where he, he has the big reveal where he, like, 
like finds a, a child's raincoat that says Katrine. And I'm like, is that supposed to mean something? So I went to IMDb <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, movie. <laughs> because you hear the word, you hear the word Cloudberry more often than you hear Katrine. I would love movie. I would love the idea that a movie relies on you going to IMDb to, <laughs> to like gasp. <laughs> well, it makes you a more active participant in the mystery, Stuart. Yeah, it's like when you were people would watch Lost and they're like, I got to go online and figure out the clues in this one. And yeah. uh, the creators of Lost were like, eh, people are doing their part. We don't have to figure out anything. <laughs> the, uh, or it's like that. What was the movie you watched where it ended with it was the exorcism movie that ended with a website that said oh, yeah. the rest go to this URL. That's the last exorcism. I think, I think that's the last right. exorcism. Yeah. Like a boy. That was, that was very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, find out more at your local library. I, I would have loved it. If they went even, <laughs> if they went even further and it's like right to this address and you got like a snail mail, like thing describing an extra scene at the end of the movie. <laughs> No, it became a very long scavenger hunt. You, you right away, and they send you an audio tape that gives you the instructions to where to find a key that opens yeah. a, like a safe that has the, the has a reel of film. And when you watch the film, the film is like, "Hey, find this guy. He's the one who knows what happens in the movie. You got to track him down." People are spending years wandering the globe trying to figure out the end of this movie. So, do you th- guys do you think that in like school libraries they now have posters that say like? You know how they have those posters that are basically like, hey, you should read more. And maybe the poster just says read, and then it shows like a detective surrounded by bloody snowman, and it (laughs) says, hole up with a good book. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think that that definitely is happening. I have to assume so, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's that's all I got. All those ads ads in, in Norway that say, Nesbo knows murder. And it's all Joe Nesbo themed stuff, and knows, Nesbo knows baseball, and Nesbo knows football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Anyway, that's all I know about sports. Bo Jackson's old slogans. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so uh, Katrine is this new cop. She studied Harry Hole's cases in school. Now she wants to work with them, and they're going to investigate the disappearance of the woman we saw before. Her red scarf. It's on the snowman in her yard. Uh-oh. And did she wait? Did she turn into a snowman? That's the implication at first. Uh, no, we're quickly, quickly disabused of that notion. Turns out she's disappeared, and someone has placed her scarf on a snowman. Because I think what they do a DNA test on the snowman just to make sure it doesn't have any of her genetic code, or something <laughs> like that. Now, yeah. uh, and Katrina has this futuristic video recording device for collecting evidence. <clears throat> that's like it's one of those things that looks it's like to do the fucking Voigt Kampf test. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or just like huge. a really oversized iPad. Yeah. But it's that's it's like it's something where the first moment I saw it, I was like, whoa, does this take place in the future? And then I was like, no, wait a minute. I have a better machine for that in my pocket than this person <laughs> has. Like she should just yeah. use her phone to record all this. And then the police department can defray the cost of her phone service and her data plan because she'd need a ton of data. Right. To store that stuff in the cloud. Yeah, yeah. I mean. From my understanding, in uh, like Scandinavian countries, they've had a better advanced like uh, cell phone network and system than we've had. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably peanuts to them. <laughs> I guess that's true. And they do love peanuts there. Norway mm-hmm. is the home of the peanut industry. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All their famous boiled peanuts, Norwegian boiled peanuts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can't go into a grocery store without seeing a big display for Norwegian boiled peanuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have a delicious plate of peanut crusted puffin or whatever they eat there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Some sort of fermented fish covered in peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> What is this? No reservations or something? What are we doing here? Come on. Anyway, uh, then we get to we uh, and uh, Harry Hole looks in the newspaper and sees a picture of J.K. Simmons, who's a big rich guy who's both he if at what we I pick up I'm never quite sure what he does. He seems to be a rich industrialist who is also famous for his profession of family values and being a family man. And his one goal in life is to get the World Cup in Oslo. Uh, and as we eventually find out, he loves to take pictures of women with his phone, thus proving that they have this phone technology that they could just use to record <laughs> evidence right. if they yeah. needed to. But anyway, uh, we cut to a flashback that is prompted by, I don't know who, I don't know who in the room is remembering this, of nine years earlier, old Val Kilmer, who has been dubbed with the craziest voice, unless that's him <laughs> doing it. But every scene with Val Kilmer feels like the scene at the end of Pee-wee's Big Adventure where Pee-wee Herman and, uh, has that one part in the movie as the bellhop, and they, and they dubbed in his voice so that he goes, Mr. Herman, paging Mr. Herman. Like, that's what Val Kilmer sounds like the whole movie. I think What was the sick. deal with that? I think he's sick before we make too much fun of he, him. Well, no, he, I mean, he was, he was recovering from, like, throat cancer. All right. So that's oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, But they yeah. could have found something. I didn't know that, but they could have found somebody who sounded more like him to do it. I mean, I partly I partly I'm like, I mean, I guess he's got to make money, but I'm like, man, just take take the time off. Like, rec- you're more important than a movie. Yeah, or more That's important true. than Val, the snowman gotta, in particular. Look, he's got to remember that Val stands for valuable and that we <laughs> value him and that Val Kilmer, like, we want you to see in yourself the worth that we see in you. And you got to take that time to take care of yourself. Okay, I didn't realize that because the whole it really threw me off to hear him just com- have a completely different voice coming out of his face. It's, yeah. It seemed like an insane choice. It seemed yeah. like like that they were just going to replace him with uh, <laughs> who's that actor and all the money in the world, Dan? Plummer. Yeah, there. You know, oh man, my Christopher Plummer is a is a virus that is slowly infecting every movie, <laughs> and here it's yeah. just the voice. But in every movie, you're going to see like in the background, a building is going to be Christopher Plummer. Or like some characters are get like in uh, I went to see that uh, Logan Lucky movie and they get mm-hmm. into a race car and the race car was Christopher Plummer like he's just <laughs> yeah. slowly like the way that a, a bone turns into a fossil by uh-huh. little bits of matter becoming minerals every movie is becoming Christopher Plummer that way yeah, yeah. the I, I heard they're releasing a new edition of the special editions where where all the characters are replaced with Christopher Plummer. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Although Watto is an improvement when it's Christopher Plummer. He's very <laughs> elegant, very cultured. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so what happens next? I So anyway, what happens remember. next is Val Kilmer has been hired to investigate oh, the yeah. mis- disappearance of a woman who is friends with J.K. Simmons. Is the, is the, she's the wife of a rich guy, and he, they know J.K. Simmons. And uh, that's the end of that flashback. But I, it, So... Now I'm, try- I'm looking at my notes, and I'm trying to reconstruct from my notes what any of it means, because yeah. even my notes are not clear. Uh, now I just have, Hole talks to a missing woman's daughter, and we see that Harry Hole's good with kids. He really mm-hmm. is good at talking to kids. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then we cut back to the past, and we learn a lot of exposition via walkie-talkie that Val, Cal- Val Kilmer's character, Rafto, has been uh, <laughs> suspended from the force. 
Uh, I know that that's that, a I know that that's a Norwegian name, but Rafto sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> like, it sounds like, like a Muppet. Yeah, yeah, you got a Muppet in the middle of this movie, which would have been amazing. <laughs> oh, if they had the replaced Val Kilmer with on. a Muppet, yeah, yeah, a Muppet of Christopher Plummer, even like that would have been fine. I would have loved that. Like, and when you say walked on, you mean did that kind of like bopping walk that Muppets exactly. do, where they just <laughs> they course. hop up and down. <laughs> that would have been. Now I really want to see an otherwise serious Norwegian serial killer movie where the aging cop on the force is played by is played by Fozzie. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. And uh, when he sees a when he sees a dead body, he just shakes his head sadly and goes, "Waka, waka, waka." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we go back to the past. We learn via walkie-talkie dubbed-in audio that Val Kilmer's been suspended. Toby Jones is now the cop in charge of the case, but he's considered an idiot. And there's a snowman there. And uh, all the, there's a dead body that's at the top of a, like a ski mountain that's being eaten by ravens or crows and, uh, or seagulls, I don't know. And Val Kilmer scares them away so that we can see the body. Now, Katrina, the woman cop in the present, thinks there's a snow-inspired killer on the loose. She thinks he kills when it snows. Does he? When is it not snowing in Norway? I don't know, man. That's a little bit like there's this serial killer in America. He only strikes when people are eating hamburgers. Okay, <laughs> thanks, dude. So I guess it's a year-round kill spree. They call we've him got, the wimpy this... killer. <laughs> <laughs> he would gladly kill you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Or is it Wednesday? I don't remember. And uh, then we've got this killer in Barbados. He only murders when he hears steel drums playing on the beach. Oh, okay, oh, no. so all the time then? Great, Okay. <laughs> Uh, Harry Hole spends some time hanging out with Oleg. Oleg is clearly troubled. He needs a strong male role model in his life, and he wants it to be Harry. But Harry has his own problems. But then, another woman is reported missing. Uh-oh. But when they go to her home, she's apparently there, just killing just, chickens in her kitchen, in her chicken coop. It's just Chloe Savini. Yeah, just It's just Chloe out with Savini being like, being like, what do you want? I'm just here killing chickens. Yeah. Uh, Nobody here but us but chickens, then, she says. <laughs> and me, Chloe Savini, of course. Chicken number one, queen of the chickens. <laughs> Just call me Camilla. Speaking of Muppets. Anyway, As you she's always there are. killing chickens. And she's there killing chickens, and she's like, oh, no, I'm not missing. I'm me. And they leave. And then she see, uh, she calls her ex and is like, stop sending people to me. And then She's like, she what the fuck, cre- dude? I'm not missing. Yeah. Yeah. She finds a creepy baby doll in the room. And she does mm-hmm. what everyone does stupidly in horror movies, which is when you see a weird, creepy thing, you move towards it really slowly and look at it really slowly instead of looking around you to find who put this creepy thing in there and get away from them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if, I like mean, if normally when room, I find, like, a weird totem <laughs> in a room that I <laughs> previously had no weird totems, <laughs> I would go up and pick it up, hoping that some of the magic would uh, yeah. fuse my body. <laughs> you go... Charlene, did you put this totem here? <laughs> yeah. This this weird child made of mud and hair. <laughs> Charlene, did you leave this calling card here? <laughs> Such as one would at the scene of a crime? No? The- <laughs> okay, well, I better investigate it more closely. Never using my peripheral vision to see if the room is occupied by anyone other than mm-hmm. me. Maybe if uh, I turn it over, there's so- like a clue to the next uh, next stage of the uh, mystery. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, put or your transformation. Mm-hmm. Put it in my pack in case I need it later on. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Along with my 20 pieces of gold and my healing potion mm-hmm. that I picked up. <laughs> on my way to get the Triforce back together. 
<laughs> okay. Wow, Elliot. So she looks that's, at it. That's some that's some contemporary video game references. <laughs> it's a classic. Okay, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to talk about? Mass Effect or something? I don't know that game. <laughs> Qbert? Is that what kids like? Qbert? <laughs> what are the kids playing these days? What's Bonk up to? <laughs> uh, so Banjo yeah. Kazooie doing. <laughs> that was a great game, though. Anyway, uh, here's the problem with Banjo Kazooie, and I'll just give it to you in a nutshell. Sure, Too much okay. stuff to do. Every level, there were like 20 different things you had to find. And I was like, Banjo-Kazooie, can you guys sit down for a moment? Anyway, you're a great team. I love spending time with you. Banjo, you're a fantastic bear. Kazooie, I love the way you shoot eggs out of your butt at bad guys. Uh, mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I don't want to collect all this stuff that you have me collecting on every level. By the way, I just want to beat the game. That's a weird way to to deal with, you know, unfertilized e- eggs, you know? <laughs> like, unfertilized It's to just hurl them at enemies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I well, do that shit, you, people get angry. Otherwise, you'd just eat her young, so... <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes sense. But we could eat her young. Yeah. Mm, yummy. Eggs. Eggs from chickens. Chickens being killed by Chloe Savini, who herself is killed right now. Because, yeah. as she's investigating that baby doll, she is attacked by a mysterious figure with some kind of, like, grotting wire gun mm-hmm. that, that I don't know why that would exist, but maybe that's a Dan, real thing that Dan, is that, that in exists. the book? Uh, I... Th- Think so? I think it. I mean, it must be some sort of um, like farm equipment. I yeah. would assume, like uh, like the the thing in uh, in uh, no country, no country for, for old men. Yeah, yeah. It, that's what I, it felt like. Yeah. I otherwise, I don't know why it would exist. Like a thing that just like <laughs> uses a wire to cut through stuff. I mean, well, why do we have a gun that shoots fire at human beings? That that's exists. True. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but this seems it, like this wouldn't be used in like a war situation. It's not like you're running around <laughs> yeah. trying to get that. It's not like it's a fucking flying guillotine or something. <laughs> you're not running around the battlefield trying to lasso Nazis with twine so you can cut their heads off. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yeah. Uh, here's the. Th- but every killer in the movies and TV has to have like their special way of doing stuff. But when you read about serial killers, they tend to just kind of kill people the same way everybody else kills people just by stabbing them or strangling them or whatever. What is it mm-hmm. about the movies, guys, that demands our serial killers do things in crazy James Bond villain-type ways? Stuart, I open the floor to you. Well, uh, I guess it's uh, to sell more toys, right, guys? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am I was going to say I'm more baffled. <laughs> okay, Stuart is holding, <laughs> holding for applause, I guess. <laughs> uh yeah, I'm usually more baffled by like the killers that always need to like taunt the police. Although I guess the Zodiac killer did that, so it's yeah. They do they, a life. lot of those. Ki- a lot of killers, I think, they get they get off twi- three times: once from imagining the kill, once from uh, performing it, and once from reliving it. And part of talking to the police is reliving the encounter. Like you yeah. need a witness that you can show off to in a way because that makes it feel more real. Anyway, that's why I do it. Oops. Guys, long term sting operation has finally borne fruit. <laughs> guys, can we officially oh, no. can we officially classify this shit as a uh, true crime podcast? Because those are really popular. Yeah, right? Yeah, Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They called me the, the uh, Park Slope pedant. I would kill people around Park Slope and then leave corrections on their bodies. Sometimes <laughs> they used grammar wrong or got yeah. a basic fact wrong. People in Park Slope, Brooklyn, were so frightened and afraid of getting anything wrong that they would, before anyone said anything, they would look it up in the almanacs they started carrying around with them, <laughs> just to, so they wouldn't make themselves vulnerable to the Park Slope pedant. 
Yeah. But uh, well, anyway, let's get I'm back glad to the your reign so, of terror is over. Yes. Here's crazy twist number one that makes no sense. Uh, the police go back to find Chloe Savini's there. She's fine. And she's like, oh, I'm the twin sister of the woman you were talking to before. Uh, oh, thank and God. And here's my. What? Thank God I was worried that Chloe Savini was going to exit this movie too soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they find first Chloe Savini's body being eaten by chickens and her head's been cut off. And where's her head been placed? On a snowman. <laughs> yeah. This is, uh, yeah. The, the ultimate insult. <laughs> the, the addition of a twin to this movie does not bear fruit at all. No, never. <laughs> what are you talking no about? Reason. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it allows me to live out my ultimate fantasy of one living Chloe Savini and one snowman Chloe Savini. <laughs> <laughs> what a better movie would it have been if, if she finds her sister's head and it's still kind of alive, and to keep it alive, she sticks it on a snowman and does a magic spell, and now regular Chloe Savini <laughs> and half snowman Chloe Savini have to team up to find the killer before she melts. And you know how you know that she's a twin and not the original because one of them wears makeup and the other does not. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's a real Patty Duke story. <laughs> I guess those were cousins. It's a real Identical parent cousins. trap. Yeah. Identical cousins, which happens, I guess. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, so then they go to it's they go to like a winter sports gala that is celebrating. Uh, it's oh no, it's just promoting Oslo as a place for the World Cup. And it's like something out of a Batman movie. There's like actors in hockey outfits who are like skating around around the gala attendees. Like all the and uh, J.K. Simmons is there, and Harry Hole there goes there because his boss from the police force are there, and he asks him for an investigative team to get on this case because he thinks these cases are connected. Katrine, the lady cop, follows J.K. Simmons into a meeting with a creepy guy who is very much like what I imagine the MC from Cabaret is like in his off time. It's like a creepy, weird, like giggly, corrupt, decadent man uh, who presents a young woman to J.K. Simmons, and then the woman lowers her top, and then J.K. Simmons takes a picture of it with his phone, and then it's like, get out of here, get out of here, stop bothering me here. Uh, that woman will later, her face will appear in a window mysteriously, and then we will never see her again. So I guess enjoy that moment, guys. <laughs> Uh, Harry Hole goes home. He finds that the mold remover, who is still working because only one person has been assigned to, I guess, clear the mold out of this whole building, and Harry Hole's apartment is the worst of them. Uh, he's dancing to uh, this to this song that was playing at the first murder scene, and it's that song that goes... Hot butter, I think it's called. Popcorn. What's it called? I think it's called Popcorn by Hot Butter. No, because when Ellie was doing it, it sounded like fucking jizz music from Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. They're jizz whalers. It's not jizz music, Stuart. That's a different thing. Yeah. But it was a famous early electronic uh, song. This yeah, pop, I have. I started assuming that it's just the national anthem of Norway because I know that type of music <laughs> is real popular there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's their their biggest musical export. <laughs> I will novelty say, songs. The one moment of the one moment of real joy I had in the movie was hearing that song and being like, "Oh yeah, I remember that song." Yeah. Just like the trigger of, "Oh, I hadn't thought about that song in a long time." Just like in the movie uh, Reprise. There's a song in it where I was like, oh, I hadn't I hadn't heard that song in a long time. Anyway, uh, it t- we at the, at the murder scene, Harry goes like, get out of here, get out of here to the mold remover and then takes some of the medicine that he has been given from his uh, ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend. And it's kind of impl- – I guess 
Have we seen the mold remover tampering with the medication? I can't remember or not. He, I think he does. Uh, Harry's team goes to work, and they find out that the dead woman, Clovini, saw the same creepy doctor who showed J.K. Simmons the topless girl. And they go to his house, and he is very creepy and evasive and doesn't want to tell them too much about anything. Yeah. Uh, and the doctor eventually says, you're going to need a warrant to search my house. Get out of here. You have been too rude to me. And this is... It's either a cultural the beginning of, thing, dude. Yeah. And it feels like this is the beginning of either a web of intrigue or a red herring. And what it actually is, is the beginning of a plot that never gets resolved. They just kind yeah, of forget yeah. it after a while. Uh, meanwhile, Harry Hole hacks into the lady cop's crime computer case, her Vogue Camp test machine, and she mm-hmm. finds out that she's been filming J.K. Simmons. Uh-oh. And Harry Hole's so taken with the case, and who wouldn't? It's so I mean, incredibly... If- if filming J.K. Simmons is a crime, then lock up most of Hollywood, you know? <laughs> because who wouldn't want to? The man leaps off the screen. And you've got to, you've really got to hand it to any actor who manages to, I call them Giamatis, any actor mm-hmm. who manages to carve a big place for him in Hollywood, not being a traditionally beautiful man, if you get what I mean, not being uh, wait, what, the wait. handsomest knife in the drawer. What are you talking about? I'm just J.K. Simmons is not uh, usually your idea of what I like. Hollywood hunk is so he's he's of that genus that I call actress Giamatti which is just like you're such a good actor that it doesn't matter that you are not a handsome man we're I still mean, gonna make you a movie star <laughs> I mean that's obvious that's obviously more available to say like men <laughs> that's yeah. one of no, my, oh, for, my, for women, my wife gets mad every time she sees John Goodman in a movie because she's like there's no way a woman could look like that and be, play a character where their weight is never brought up or an issue it seems I've got two words for you, Margot Martindale. But that's the only two words I have, because otherwise it doesn't matter. And I guess Kathy Bates, i got four words for you. Kathy Margot Martindale Bates, because that's Kathy Bates' nickname, Margot Martindale. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're right. Those are the ones, though. But on the subject of J.K. Simmons, uh, I don't know if you guys were upset about the Academy Award nominations this year. When I saw the Best Supporting Actor category, and yet again... J.K. Simmons was not nominated for his role as J. Jonah Jameson in the, in the Spider-Man movies. I mean, those are no longer eligible. He, like, he, that role is from years ago. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, I keep waiting. Agree to disagree, Elliot. <laughs> okay. On the rules of the Academy? Okay, that's, yep. that's fair. Uh, we're actually recording this on the day of the Academy Awards, and it hasn't happened yet. So should we pretend that we know the winners and we're angry and upset about them, or should we not bother? I mean, yeah, of course we can pretend. I mean, <laughs> it's our fucking right as the podcasters. Yeah. Or I call we... it Prima Nocta, the right of the podcaster. <laughs> Prima Noscar. But, uh, <laughs> or should we wait two weeks and give our lukewarm takes on the winners and losers? Uh, I mean, we should probably wait at, at the very least until we're done talking about this turd. Before we start <laughs> okay, about good point. You. That's a good point. Okay, so, uh, so Harry Hole is so engrossed in the case, he forgets to go on a camping trip with Oleg. Instead, he's taken a train to uh, I mean, see can the you man. blame him, though? Like, yeah. it's so Oleg snowy out there. Why would you want to go out camping in that <laughs> shit? <laughs> That's a good, you make a very good point. You got to poop in an ice hole or something. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A hairy ice hole. So. <laughs> how, how, <laughs> how many times do you think ice fishermen get super drunk and then as a joke just poop through the holes that they're ice fishing in? Like I said, like. Like take this fish. Like you don't want. You don't want my. One hundred percent of the time. 
<laughs> Only 110%. Yeah. So uh, he, he's going to see the man who hired Val Kilmer low those years ago. We learned that Val Kilmer, Rafto, is dead, uh, seemingly of a self-inflicted gunshot. And uh, he and uh, Harry Hole runs into Matthias, his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend, on the train. And Matthias seems like he's really got it together, and he covers for Harry Hole, saying, uh, oh, Harry called me and said he wasn't able to do a... He called me yesterday and said he couldn't take Oleg. I forgot. That's on me. He seems he seems like a pretty good dude. Mm. Oh, he seems like a great guy. He's, like, really I mean, sweet and really nice. I feel like the movie introduced Matthias mainly to show that, like, not all new boyfriends are the bad guy. Yeah. And yeah, maybe if true. Harry Just got like his shit Will together, movie, he could Daddy be, song. like, yeah... Uh, is that the one with Mel Gibson in it? <laughs> well, that's uh, the no, second uh, one. That's the second that's one. More daddies, more stuff. So you're saying, Stuart, he's supposed, to be like, he's supposed to be like a figure that, that Harry Hall should look at for inspiration, to be a better yeah. man. Why couldn't he be more like Matthias? Well, we'll see how like, the movie plays out. Because <laughs> right now, up till now, we think that about Matthias, you can't find a better man than Matthias. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did that just to irritate Stewart. Um, but he also, the fact that Matthias has the kind of like cold, dead stare of a Jared Kushner shouldn't worry us right now. We should no, just think I mean, he's just like a good dude who could totally handle the Mideast peace process and is not using his office to make money for his failing family real estate company. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Val Kilmer is looking more and more like Donald Trump. I just want to say that, especially in these flashbacks. And uh, I kept thinking, take it easy on him, dude. Coup. He's going through a fucking sickness. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, we flash back to Val Kilmer getting a note from the snow killer during Toby Jones's birthday party at the office. And Val Kilmer <laughs> storms out. Uh, now, uh, go back to the present. And Harry Hole shows uh, Toby Jones, who's now has aged barely at all in the intervening years. It shows him a picture of Val Kilmer with his own head blown off that he just carries around with him. Uh, yeah. And we learn that Harry Holt, that, uh, that Val Kilmer's character, Rafto, had a daughter. Who's that daughter? I think you can figure it out. It's Harry Hole's lady cop. And Harry Hole figures that out by going to Rafto's fishing shack where he was killed and where nothing has been touched since then. And all of his mementos of his daughter are still around. And we learn that, like, uh, her password on her computer was Cloudberry, right? And that's what uh-huh. her father called her for some reason that I don't remember what it is. And and we, yeah. Is is this when there's like a flashback of his dead body, and then somebody puts a snowman head on it? <laughs> yeah, that happened, we, we right? A, yeah, and it we looked see a like flashback. It like it looked super CGI'd, right? Oh it yeah, there the was only a vi- one. No, very like, it's not that CGI hard to shot. make a. It's not that hard to make a snowman head, right? Yeah, but it does. <laughs> I do think like it's. This is the part where like, of all the I things, mean, come on, it's just snow and stuff stuck in it. I mean, everything. Everything in <laughs> maybe this movie. Maybe is, they couldn't get a real carrot in time, so they had to CGI <laughs> it in. Everything in this movie is, is is ridiculous, and everything doesn't make any sense. And like the idea of a guy who like spends the time as a killer to make a snowman every time is ridiculous. But what was most ridiculous to me was the idea that he could actually balance the snowman head on top of blown <laughs> off Val Kilmer's <laughs> neck. They treat his neck as if it's like a tree stump, like it's yeah. just a super strong thing. <laughs> Even a regular person's neck would kind of move around and wiggle a little bit, yeah. let alone a, a blown off head person's neck. But yeah, there's a very fakey CGI shot of Val Kilmer's head being blown off yeah, and then a snow, snowman head being placed on it. Like and placed it's like, gingerly on top. 
Like it's, and it for, looks, it looks when you're like stacking barrels or crates in a video game and you're like, <laughs> for some, the laws of physics would indicate that that would normally fall over, but you know, whatever. For a moment I was like, is this now that the origin story of the old Jack in the box mascot, that like snowman headed clown, is that what I'm watching right now? Sorry mm-hmm. guys. I've been in the West coast too long. I'm making Jack in the box jokes. Sorry guys. Is that a is that like a is that a hamburger place? Is that a it's hamburger a local restaurant? Fast food restaurant chain. Uh, you may remember it from when we were kids. There was an E. coli problem there, and uh-huh. uh, some people got sick eating there. And for dec- for years, that's all I knew about Jack in the Box was that they had uh, a sickness problem so bad that jokes about it were made on Saturday Night Live. And now uh-huh. I'm here, and they're everywhere. There's Jack in the Boxes all over the place. And it was it was funny about? for us Damn, because it was happening in someone else's backyard, so we were able to be like, "Oh, exactly." <laughs> we're not suffering, so we don't care. It's like, were you it's about not to happening. ask me to wish them into the cornfield, Elliot? That's exactly what I was going to do, Dan. I was going to ask you to wish that Jack in the Box into the cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> if I had that power, Elliot, boy, things would be different. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Seems kind of threatening it, when you say it like that. Yeah. It'd be a good guess, life for me. Yeah. And growing up in Illinois, I guess you just had to manually place things in the cornfield. That's right. <laughs> yeah. When I wanted to extend my evil power, I would just go out and I would drive and I would put a put a putter in the cornfield. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm putting you in the cornfield. <laughs> yep. Like, oh, okay, I'll just follow one of these rows of corn until I get out. But I guess thanks. <laughs> Why are you putting me in this cornfield with sports equipment, mirrors, books you don't like? <laughs> All this half-finished poetry that's addressed to someone named Donna in a chemistry class? I don't what is all this? A collection of different brass instruments. <laughs> All this used-up pornography about butts. <laughs> it's used up. There's no more use left in it. <laughs> no, okay. You only get uh, that everyone knows that's the way masturbation works. Yeah, if you were to touch it, it would just disintegrate. Yeah, it's like a toothpaste tube. You just you can't put it back in. Yeah. It can't happen. Yeah. So anyway, I guess, well, I guess masturbation is like a toothpaste tube. You cannot put it back <laughs> you in. You cannot put it back in. I mean, why Lord knows to? I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> like, mother, get me the bellows. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. We're about to get to the uh, to, uh, pretty much to the climaxes of the movie. There's some complicated nonsense with tracking phone signals and a phone set up somewhere as a trap that I could not follow and did not care to. But it leads Katrine, the lady cop, to a setup like her dad's, someone who's had their head blown off. It's the creepy doctor from earlier. He's been set up to look like he killed those two missing women and then blew his own head off. Lady cop is suspended for, I guess, not following orders and just running off on her own. Yeah. For what? Yeah, she's not following procedures. Yeah, yeah, not following procedure. And uh, Oleg runs away, but gets found incredibly quickly. Uh, uh, Harry Hole confronts the lady cop by lying on top of her, which is not okay. No. Like, that's not, like... It made me very uncomfortable. I forgot about that. I didn't like it at all. It was like, this is the only way I can incapacitate you long enough so we can have a conversation. I'm going to lay my enormous body on top of you because I'm Michael Fassbender, a huge man. Yeah. And you're just going to have to deal with it. I did not like that. Uh, they argue. She tries to give him a drink, and he refuses because he's an alcoholic. She's tempting him, and he takes her off the case. She's gotten too close. Meanwhile, hey, they announced Oslo's going to get the World Cup. Yay! Everyone's oh, celebrating at J.K. Simmons's <laughs> nonstop rich man party. Uh, <laughs> another another 
side plot that is baffling as to why it's included in this movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, you got to get people to feel good before you make them feel so bad. I guess the same people (laughs) who funded United Passions funded this or something. Yeah. Uh, FIFA, they're called. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Uh, Katrine, Katrine infiltrates the party so she can go undercover and find out if JK Simmons is actually a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, And which of course he is. Of course he is. That's when he snaps a pick. Yeah, you know, he snaps a pick with Flash, right? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, with Flash, because he's an old man. He doesn't know how to use his camera. <laughs> uh, what's great is he walks away from her, and then his flunky comes over with a room key and is like, if you'd like to talk to Mr. J.K. Simmons after the show. And, she and looks he's over standing and, five feet away, just like... like just like scary. waving at her like, yoo <laughs> It's like, very subtle, J.K. Wait, a, <laughs> at least get out of the room before you send your guy over at the hotel key. But she goes up there. She goes to the hotel. Oh, and then then we cut to uh, Harry Hole's ex-girlfriend shows up at his place. She wants him badly, dry humps him for a while, and then just leaves him there like a pile of dead wood. And the thing about Harry Hole is that, like, this guy's like a fall-down drunk. Even if he's off for a little bit, the movie never shows him showering. So I can only assume (laughs) that he stinks like piss and fucking alcohol sweat. Like, he's gross. Yeah, but he is he Michael smelled- Fassbender, which is pretty dreamy. So, oh yeah, you know, it's maybe if maybe Charlotte Gainsbourg's character doesn't have a sense of smell. Oh yeah, I think that's in the stuff that got cut out of the movie. She doesn't have a sense of smell, or maybe that she she loves how he smells like lutefisk or something. Like she loves <laughs> that he smells like fermented shark or whatever it is they eat in Norway. And so she's like, oh, this is delicious. Or maybe she's like the bad guy in that James Bond movie where she has a bullet lodged in her brain and it kind of <laughs> rewired how her brain thinks uh-huh. and things that smell gross actually smell delicious. Oh, yeah. Is that is that the is that the James Bond movie with my favorite bad James Bond line? Welcome to my nuclear family because he's got a <laughs> nuclear weapon. I, I don't remember that. Well. Oh, and it's like, dude, we're not your family. Like, what are you talking about? It doesn't make any sense. That's the one where Sophie Merceau is where is the bad guy, and she has those like giant earrings, and it's revealed that she wears giant earrings because she's like missing most of her ear. And you're like, oh, I get why you're a bad guy now. <laughs> you had no other choices left to you in, in life. No yeah. one would hire someone with with that with weird ears. That's why you don't <laughs> see Ferengi just working at jobs all over the place. Oh, I thought That's you were the like- only reason. Saying it was like, like I thought you were saying it was like Lex Luthor, like when he lost his hair, he had to become a bad guy. Like it's just like when you lose part of your body, it's like just natural. I thought Lex Luthor lost all his hair because he spent three years training to be the greatest superhero ever uh, for fun, and it just fell out because he trained so hard. <laughs> Sorry, that's a One Punch Man reference. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, Lady Cop goes up to J.K. Simmons's room and sets up her video evidence box to catch video of, I assume, herself having sex with J.K. Simmons <laughs> so she can post it online and invade his privacy with revenge porn or something. And then she's attacked, oh no, by the guy with that killer string gun. Ah! And Oslo gets the cup. Okay, everybody, we did it! Uh, the bad guy kills the lady cop. Uh-oh, she's dead. Cuts off some of her fingers and uses the fingerprints to delete her files. Now, clearly, there's some connection between this killer and J.K. Simmons. It's hopefully going to... Lord knows I don't yeah. know what it is. It'll, it'll play out <laughs> over the course of the movie. Yeah, like, it's that was that's a question I still have. But uh, Harry see, looks out his window and sees not a full snowman, but kind of like a two-dimensional trompe l'oeil effect snowman on the top of the lady cop's car, goes and looks inside. She's dead, missing her but, fingers in the car. So at the same time... 
as she is being killed. Or no, th- she already found the dead body, right? He was doing something while she was dying, right? Harry Hole? Yeah. Yeah, I he was with not. his he was he was with Charlotte Gainsborough. Oh, right. And then her okay. but then she gets called by her ex-boy by her by Matthias and she's and she finds the pills that Matthias gave Harry. So Matthias calls her and it's like he's calling her to what check where Harry is? Like I don't anyway. Uh they find some evidence that someone's some dead woman's husband was lying about the doctor that he saw that he knew, knew something they didn't didn't know. Who knows? It turns out they saw a hormone specialist. They didn't see the creepy doctor who whose head got blown off. Uh, it turns out, of course, Matthias is the killer, and he was what? the team but he seems from so earlier. Nice. Yeah, he seems so nice and he's so eager to help. And there's no no reason up till now that we've had to believe that he has some kind of string gun that he uses to cut people's heads off. He hasn't even shown any interest in snowmen. What's that all about? So. I guess, like, what we're supposed to believe, this convoluted uh, motive that he has is that he's mad at women who's, like, who have illegitimate children. Or Or who have abortions. uh, Is that it? Well, because it's it's women women who don't want their children. Women who don't want their children. At one point, they talk about that a bunch of previous women who disappeared similarly were women who had all gone to the same abortion clinic. Okay. Yeah, so, and the reason why he's also targeting Harry is that, like, Harry is has this illegitimate child in Oleg, and I, but I guess it doesn't, but it doesn't really fit the M.O. otherwise, because, like, she does want that child, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> well, but also, but, ho- like, Harry reminds I mean, him of does his, she his really dad. Want, does she really want Oleg? <laughs> okay, I mean, as, as Elliot said I mean, before, Oleg is a drip, so. <laughs> yeah. It's like no one shows that much care about Oleg. Like Oleg disappears, and they're like, "Oh, he's at a friend's house." And then later in the movie, they're like, "He's at a different friend's house now." Like they just they don't really care. But Matthias kidnaps Oleg, kidnaps Oleg's mom, and takes them to his little grass shack out in in Norway, where he was raised as a kid. And we find out he was the teen from earlier, and the guy who was his father but wouldn't own up to him was the head of the police or something who was investigating the some stuff. I don't know. Like the, uh, here's, here's a, here's one problem I have with this ending, by the way, is I feel like it has single problem. (laughs) It has, uh, (laughs) it has a bit of Raiders of the lost Ark syndrome, wherein like if the hero had, hadn't done anything, basically everything would happen the same way because Harry doesn't really solve the crimes. I mean, he sort of does like, but mostly seven that way. Yeah, mostly it's just like at the end, Matthias kidnaps the people he loves, which he would have done anyway, and then Harry would have found out who the killer was through that, and uh, and, and we would have been he in the wouldn't same have place. gotten his finger sawed off by uh, a a wire gun. Oh yeah, that happens yeah. later. And but it's also like there's he has this game of cat and mouse with Harry, and it's yeah, it's never it's not really clear why he gives he wants Harry to admit that Harry is selfish and not a good dad. And why he cares about that or gives a shit is not clear. Why he went after Val Kilmer, who it seems loved his daughter, you know, when he was alive. Like, I, it, that's not super clear. Like, it's really messy and mushy. But, it, yeah, it feels like in Seven where they're like, well, 
We ran out of leads, and the killer just shows up at the police department and is like, yeah. let's hurry up with the end game, shall we? Because I cannot wait around killing people anymore. I'm out of sins. I need you to pick up the pace, guys, and catch me so yeah. I can trick you into being the last one. Can we do this, guys? Can, can we do this? Like, There's 10 minutes left in this episode. You're gonna have. We have to wrap this up because next episode is a different mystery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Let's it's just like assume if, uh, Tate Donovan is the one who did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if, there, it, if it, there's an episode of the X-Files where they're investigating and then 10 minutes for the ending, an alien shows up and is like, you got me, guys. L- take me to the interrogation room. I'll explain the conspiracy to you. Meet more. This is how it works out. <laughs> yep. He said meet more because he's an alien. Because that's yeah, alienese. Meet more. Yep. Anyway, uh, there's a big fight. Matthias is threatening. Uh, I think, I think the, big fight is being generous. <laughs> Okay, well, there's uh, there's a little bit of slapping around. Uh, he asks Hole why he left his family, and Hole admits that he's selfish. They fight. Hole gets his finger hurt and gets stabbed in the leg with a fork. And then Matthias, having gained the upper hand, runs away. Uh-huh. Uh, Hole, <laughs> Hole runs after him, and, and, he, and he runs away because the final denouement has to take place on the thin ice. He shoots Harry Hole, and then... I guess God takes pity on everyone in the world, including the viewer, and the ice breaks and <laughs> Matthias falls through and dies. I'm and offended I, I, that the killer, when he has Harry dead to rights, he doesn't say, now you're in a Harry situation. <laughs> <laughs> or like, hey, Harry, here's another hole, and then shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> See? And then when he falls when he falls in a hole in the ice, Harry doesn't say, that was Harry's hole. <laughs> <laughs> or what, ice to see you or something like that? Yeah, yeah. But I like the idea that... Yeah. Uh, see you later, ice hole. In a, in, a better, <laughs> in a better story, Harry would have had a moment where he's like, that was your mistake all along. See, holes are part of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I have a connection to holes, and I can call on them when I need them. <laughs> like a Looney Tunes character. <laughs> Uh, and uh, so he, so a literal Deus Ice Machina ends the movie and saves the day because it's like Harry Hole just got shot and fell on the ice. Why didn't he crack through? And it's yeah. not like Harry. Once again, we just covered that he doesn't. He has a kinship with holes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, guess what my favorite movie is? Holes. <laughs> guess what my favorite book is? Holes. The basis of the movie Holes. <laughs> His favorite band. Smashing Pumpkins. God damn it, dude. <laughs> uh, so it's because smashing something is making the ultimate hole. It's a hole oh, okay. the size of the object. Yeah, it's like a hole in the universe. You're yeah, he does like the band away. hole, though. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, so he, yeah, and that's, and Harry goes back to work. End of the movie. That's it. Yeah. The movie this ends movie up ends taking a new case. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. And that whimper is me being like, but what? Wait a minute. So he just falls through the ice? Harry didn't, like, Harry didn't even have to chase after him. Like, I don't yeah. know. Case closed. Yeah. Diplomatic and immunity revoked. Yeah. <laughs> Thus ends the case of the string gun killing hormone specialist, a.k.a. Um, the snowman. Only only Harry could have solved it, man. He's the best. That's quite a didn't. body count, man. There's It's a pretty big body count. I feel like... Obviously, these uh, the Scandinavian thrillers have a tendency to overestimate the amount of people being ritualistically murdered in these countries. <laughs> yeah, or any it was country. like yeah. uh, I've been we've been watching a lot of Elementary, and I'm always like, 
I don't remember New York's murder rate being high enough to justify like six people being killed by mushroom poison. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a little bit like the whole, it feels like one of the purposes of, of Scandinavian crime fiction is to be like, oh, this place that doesn't seem to have a lot of crime. Here's some kind of dark underbelly thing. And it seems weird because it's in this place where there's not a lot of crime, but there's yeah. so much of it now that it's like, oh, okay. So that's the murder capital of the world, I guess. It's, oh yeah. It's I mean, Norway and Scandinavia. <laughs> the same way that uh, the whole point of the movie Fargo is here's this bloody crime in a place not known for crime. But because of the TV show Fargo, you're like, oh, this is crime's capital. This is crime city. <laughs> yeah. And at le- I mean, from the books, at least half of the time in the books, Harry Hole is tracking down a serial killer and they like bring him in because he's like at this point Norway's expert on serial killers but it really feels like they're just it's like fucking Miami and Dexter the number of killers there are in, in these books <laughs> there's that scene in a in an episode of Dexter where they find all the garbage bags he's thrown in the ocean with the bodies of his victims yeah. and you're like wait a minute so he's killed like a thousand serial killers what is the serial killer per capita number in Miami like this is nuts you would think that the mayor would be like, we're losing one of our greatest homegrown industries, serial killing. we got to figure out how to prop it up. We need subsidies for serial killers. Like, yeah, this just, is a folk thing if, here. If he wasn't killing all those people, think about, like, I feel like Miami would have a like a starvation issue with just overpopulation of people. Yeah, you can't have that many alpha predators. There's not enough prey. The uh, But at least, like, at least something like Hannibal kind of understands the like ridiculousness of the volume of serial killers and yeah. like ritual murders and yeah. and portrays it in a like crazy grand guignol opera type thing. Yeah, well Hannibal might as well be like John Wick 2 with all like where everyone's a killer. Yeah. It's it's more fun. Though. Um but let's uh let's do final judgments whether this was a good bad movie, a bad bad movie or a movie we kind of liked. Elliot, what's your opinion on this? Well, obviously, there's one front runner for best picture later today at the Oscars, <laughs> and it's The Snowman. Uh-huh. Uh, I, this was a bad, bad movie. I found it so boring. If and you so, had to, if you had to nominate this movie for one category, <laughs> what for well, the Oscars? Yeah, yeah. If this movie one nomination had to come out of this movie, what would you give it? I guess I'd nominate the score just as more of a lifetime achievement thing for Beltrami. Yeah, I mean, if uh, a fucking score for three billboards can get nominated, I mean, this deserves it too. <laughs> but uh, it was it's it felt like a movie that it reminded me a lot of all those James Patterson movies that came out a number of years ago with like Morgan Freeman, yeah. where it was like, okay, this is so by the numbers and bland. Why did they bother making a movie out of it? Except it's like one of those movies where they just randomly started removing scenes at the last minute. <laughs> so it's like, wait, why was this character in it? What was that about? What, like this, the way that, you know what? It would have been a better movie if they removed more scenes. And then it would become more of a, like a David Lynch type thing where you're like, yeah. I don't know what's happening. It's so surreal and dreamlike. But instead it was like, it felt a little bit like uh, you're, when uh, you're trying to fall asleep and someone keeps poking you and waking you up. Like that kind of dream where you're like, it's my dream can't get started. Like I'm not, I'm not, there's no, I can't figure it out. Stop it. Stop doing that. I'm just irritated now. Yeah. I was watching this movie last night and I was a couple beers deep and, uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> three uh, beer, beer, beer boards deep. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was a rough watch. Uh, yeah, I would say this is a bad, bad movie. I, you know, I'm a big, uh, I don't, I don't know if I'm in the minority of this, but like, I'm a big defender of the David Fincher girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, me too. Uh, and the part of what I loved about it is how it felt like it 
it felt like it made effort to like create a feeling and a place. And it, I don't know, like, I don't know how accurate it is to actual Sweden. That's right. in Sweden, right? But like, this felt so neutered and strange and it didn't, I don't know, like it didn't, it didn't feel like it fit the setting. Yeah. And of course, nothing made sense. And I didn't really have any understanding of any of the characters. Guys, I had a weird reaction to this movie <laughs> because like it, you broke, you broke out in a rash. Like what? <laughs> well, I don't think it's a good, bad movie. I don't think it's a good movie by any means, but I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> And I'm, All right, I, I, explain. You've been very quiet about that up to this point. You've let us slide oh, it like crazy. It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous movie. It does not make any sense. Like the the logic of it doesn't make any sense. The mystery doesn't make any sense. But I think I liked it for the same reason that you were talking about, Elliot. That it brought to mind, uh, like sh- like semi shitty thrillers of the '90s. And it, I think it might be pure nostalgia that I enjoyed the atmospherics of it. I enjoyed the feel of it, and even though like nothing in it made sense, I kind of brought back memories of mindless entertainment of yesteryear that I have a weird fondness for. Is that because Val Kilmer was in it? <laughs> Could be. I mean, it doesn't hurt. It's always nice to see Val Kilmer show up in the thing, even though yeah, he's, I mean, like his performances what? have gotten weirder and weirder over the years. Well, that's what I like about that. Like, that's I wish that there had been more Val Kilmer in it. It felt like. And if Val Kilmer was recovering from a major illness, that makes sense. But he felt very like, like many things in the movie, it was like subdued to the point of why is this here? Like, why is this in the movie? Well, to each their own, right? (laughs) That's the lesson we learned (laughs) from the flop house. That's the tagline of the podcast. To each their own. Yeah, that's our motto when it translated into Latin for the, on the flop house coat of arms. My name is Rachel, and I love The Flophouse. I'm Jeff, and I love Pop Rock. I would recommend The Flophouse as a great way to spend some time with three funny guys. I would say it's intelligent and diverse pop culture commentary. I realized at some point that I get so many hours of enjoyment out of Max Fun shows that it was criminal that I wasn't paying anyone any money for it. I see Jesse on social media talking about how he just wants to be better friends with Guy Branham, and I relate to it so hard. These are listeners just like you, and they support the Flophouse and Pop Rocket with a Max Fun membership. The 2018 Max Fun Drive is April 2nd through 13th, and if you want to support your favorite shows too, it's the best time to sign up or upgrade your membership. Just tune in starting April 2nd, and we'll give you all the details. Now back to the show. Hey guys, this is Adam Conover. You may know me from my true TV show, Adam Ruins Everything. Well, guess what? Now we're doing a podcast version right here on Maximum Fun. What we do is we take all the interesting, fascinating experts that we talk to for just a couple minutes on the show, and we sit with them for an entire podcast, really going deep and getting into the fascinating details of their work. Find Adam Ruins Everything wherever you get your podcasts or at MaximumFun.org. We've got only one sponsor this week. Okay. And it's Blue Apron. Oh, yummy. Blue Apron partners with sustainable farms, fisheries, and ranchers to bring you all the ingredients you need to create incredible home-cooked meals. Ingredients come paired with an easy-to-follow recipe card delivered to your door weekly in a refrigerated box. Rediscover how fun cooking can be. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The kind of box you might put a snowman in? 
That's right. Mr. Blue Apron gave you all the clues. <laughs> I well, gave, gave you all, all the ingredients, ingredients Mr. Yeah. Police. <laughs> <laughs> that should, yeah, they should, they should put that meme out. I mean, it's a little late now. It's a little. <laughs> People would be like, "All right, Blue Apron, you're a little dated, but yeah, I mean, they should do that, and then next week they'll do like a Mordecai meme." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can rediscover how fun cooking can be while enjoying specialty ingredients and exploring new flavors and cuisines. Get $30 off your first order by visiting blueapron.com slash lophouse. Blueapron.com slash lophouse? Blueapron.com slash lophouse. So when they do that uh, that snowman joke on their box, maybe they can uh, sneak in like a fermented shark with a peanut crust on it or some shit. Oh, yeah, delicious. The, the, Traditional the classic meal Norwegian of, of meal. Norway. <laughs> um, we do not have yeah. any... What? We do not what? have any Jumbotrons this year. This year? <laughs> this year? Wow. <laughs> okay, already we ran out. Okay. Right. Uh, well, we're less popular than we thought. No, uh, sorry, do we want to like do a birthday wish for me? I mean, it was a couple days ago. Oh, yeah, but, sure. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this Jumbotron is for Stuart okay. from uh, Dan and Elliot. And it says, oh, both of you. Hey, okay. Hey, Stu. You each have done your own, but that's fine. <laughs> <It> says, <laughs> well, we, didn't, we wanted to split the cost. We didn't want to cost yeah, so much. That's, hey, that's what I was implying. Hey, Stu. Happy birthday from your favorite podcast co-hosts we thought what better present than to have the co-hosts of your favorite podcast wish you a happy birthday anyway i hope you enjoyed lots of ding dong ripping off uh and also uh messing with the head and then being dead and also perhaps uh video games love your friends at the podcast (laughs) wow uh you know i never thought it would happen to me long time long time listener first time (laughs) writer (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah that was great thanks guys what a gift uh no but we should uh we don't have any jumbotrons but we should promote ourselves uh, we've got what? some live shows coming up what we're, we're getting the band back together to t- appear before human beings on stages into places that are not your apartment that's right um on the 26th of may we're doing a that's show a saturday that's a saturday we're doing a show in D.C. at the 6th and I Historic Synagogue. That's uh, right, everybody. I'm going to be schooling Dan and Stuart on stage about the faith of my father's Judaism in a synagogue. Okay. And it's going to be pretty amazing. I think a little, a couple dibbics might show up. Maybe King Solomon <laughs> oh, awesome. himself. Yeah, and a, and a golem will show up, and I'll have to you know, give him the one ring. But it'll also just be <laughs> a normal. It's not the same kind of golem. <laughs> But it'll also be a, a normal Flophouse show. It won't all be Judaism. It's our triumphant return to Washington, D.C. Last time we performed in kind of a bar club. This time we're performing in a synagogue. We're going to perform in every type of communal meeting place in Washington, D.C. eventually. And eventually we'll perform on the floor of the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And also in, <laughs> in June, on June the 30th, that's also a Saturday, we're performing in Seattle at the Neptune Theater. Now, I've never been to Seattle. I'm really excited about it. I've never been there before. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is our first Pacific Northwest show. Guys, I think I hear the blues calling. Something about toss salad and scrambled <laughs> eggs. <laughs> well, Could only be wanna, Seattle. If you want to get tickets to these shows, you can go to flophousepodcast.com uh, and click on the events tag. Well, there'll, there'll be links to these. Or, uh, or just tickets. go to flophousepodcast.com slash events. 
Yeah, or you could just go to the you could probably go just to the go venue to your pages fucking too. Web browser, type in Flophouse Seattle question mark. So those events are on sale right now. I do want to mention too, uh, on sale soon, but not as of right this moment. There's a June 7th live show here in Brooklyn at the Bell House. Wow, first announcement. Yeah. Our old so. stomping grounds. Uh, and that's the so, live show's announcement. So let's just go through them real quick, laundry list style. May 26th in Washington, D.C. Your chance to see the flop house in our nation's capital. Maybe we'll even get a little bit political. Who knows what senators might show up. Then... June 7th will be in Brooklyn at the Bell House. And June 30th will be in Seattle, our first Pacific Northwest show. Maybe we'll catch a Sasquatch. Who knows? Anyway, that's the Flop House. Check them out. May 26th, it'll be D.C., June 7th, Brooklyn, June 30th, Seattle. And I would just say this. If you live near any of those places and you haven't seen us live and you want to see us live, take advantage of it because starting in early August, I will be out of commission for live shows for a while because my family's going to have a little new addition. That's right, we're taking in a homeless person, and we're going to have to okay. teach him how to how to get a job, down and out mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills style. Uh-huh. You're going my- to shave off his caveman beard because you thought him <laughs> out of the ice. <laughs> yeah, we've got an Encino man who's going to be yeah, staying with us. you guys live us. in Encino, right? <laughs> no, we don't, but closer to it. Uh, but anyway, so I'm going to be, uh, for family reasons, uh, we're not going to do as many live shows later in the year. So, if you're near D.C., go to it, May 26th. If you're near Brooklyn, go to it, June 7th. If you're near Seattle, go to it, June 30th. Clubhouse Live, 2018. Dan, you did a thing uh, last episode where you were announcing some of these shows, and you said, we're going to be at, the Flophouse is going to be at the 6th and I Synagogue, and then I think you didn't mention Washington, D.C. for a while, <laughs> and I just imagined all these all these listeners being like, is that in my town? Wait, where is, hold on a second. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. You know, hey, it's I did, okay. You said did, it eventually. I did that ad read right after I woke up. I like, as, <laughs> <laughs> I because uh, I put the podcast online as early as I can. He puts our sponsors Saturdays. first. Uh, and that's yeah. right. I put the sponsors first, uh, and so I came out. Well, if it matters, in with my pajama pants on, and uh, if it matters, it doesn't show. You sound fresh faced. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you, now, Dan. As as with everybody, I'm a big fan of your solo ad read uh, segments. Yeah, well, I feel like I need to make up for the two of you not being there by jumping on my own every misspeaking. So, <laughs> uh, speaking speaking of misspeaking, uh-huh. yeah, I think it's time for us to speak out directly to our fans, right? Yeah, we should. Uh, okay. uh, what does that mean? We it's a little along. segment. A little segment I like to call Flophouse Movie Mailbag. Tinseltown, Hollywood. Oh my God, I'm here for good, and I'm seeing movies all the time. And there's only one way to talk about movies, and that's in a mailbag. A movie mailbag for the flop house it's a bag full of mail it's a bag full of movies there's so much stuff you can put in a bag truly america's greatest invention bags they're from america bags no one ever had them before bags they're the greatest thing since sliced bread which you can also put in bags hey here's some words that rhyme with bag nag rag hag jag those are words that rhyme with bag what are some words that rhyme with mail 
Dale, nail, bail, hail. What are some words that rhyme with movie? Groovy, that's it. There aren't any others. Fit all those words in a bag. Some kind of word bag full of mail. It's a mail bag <laughs> for Wait, you and me and Dan. It's a bag full of mail about movies. There's a flop house. Crosby, still <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so the first letter is from Irvin, last name withheld. And Irvin writes, not sure if I've asked this question before. I often I often write while Juku. That's a that's a word that was invented on the Facebook uh, group. Uh, but I will ask anyway. <laughs> and it just means drunk. Just means drunk. I think originally it meant drunk and stoned together, but now I think it's just uh. all purpose intoxication uh, is Juku in Flophouse lore. Anyway, no, the correct Jeremiah- fucking strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah Juku's all-purpose intoxication. Yeah. But anyway, he continues to write, Do any of you get stressed out by the circumstances of a story while a filmmaker explores the theme? For example, while watching Hiroshima Monomore, I got nervous for Emmanuel Riva's character as she wanders in a semi-dreamscape Hiroshima, baited by and playing with, uh, I'm going to misspeak here, Eiji Okada's character during the second act. She is supposed to be going to the airport to fly home, and she ends up dicking around. I couldn't help but get nervous for her, fearing she might miss her flight. This, of course, is totally stupid. But the feeling was still there. Do you ever get caught up like that? Her missing her flight was not the filmmaker's intent. intent. But there I was, clutching my popcorn, desperate to find a reassuring weenus buried in the kernels. <laughs> As always, you're a lovely bunch, and whenever I feel lonely, I pull up an old episode. Thanks. A Urban reassuring weenus is a rare description of a weenus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so getting stressed out by something that like is not maybe a main thing in a film. Um, well, movies are kind of like Rorschach tests in that way, that like, the thing that makes you anxious in real life when you see it in a movie, it happens. So, like, any time in a movie that I see someone turn on water and just leave it running and don't turn it off because they don't need anymore, I'm like, turn that off. You're wasting water. Like, stop it. I found it very distracting in There's movies. this amazing moment in Call Me By Your Name where uh, a character leaves a, uh, a, ref- a freezer door partially closed and <laughs> it pauses for a second before somebody comes and closes it. And I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I uh, I mentioned this on the aforementioned uh, Facebook group, but I always get very disturbed by whenever someone comes home to find their place has been ransacked. But I'm not really like upset about the fact that someone is someone is against them so much that they're going to ransack their house or that they're embroiled in this whole thing. But more, I get upset like thinking. Oh, they're gonna have to clean all that up. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is coming from a guy who has not uh, has not made plans because he was expecting to organize his CDs one time. <laughs> <laughs> Did that happen? Yeah, it totally happened. Uh, the I mean, this is kind of a horror movie, so I don't ca- I, I don't know if it counts because I think in horror movies, like basically anything is can be conceived as scary. But there's a scene in uh, in Raw where a character is getting her first bikini waxing. And the whole time I was like on the verge of throwing up because <laughs> it's just stressing me out so much. I, uh, I also get stressed by whenever there's like a manufactured conflict in an act two, where like, it's a movie about friends, like a comedy about friends or a comedy, like a romantic comedy where the main character is just for no reason, 
split up for a little while. You know, and yeah. it's, it's always completely contrived. Yeah, like when Spider-Man and his powers split up. Yeah, so I get, <laughs> I get, <laughs> I get madder at it because it's contrived because it still works on me. I'm still just like stressed out by like, ugh, this totally like avoidable thing has caused these friends or lovers to separate, and I'm like mad at the movie for like doing it the way they're doing so and so zipper was just stuck they weren't giving each other blowjobs come exactly. on get over it <laughs> that's the that in <laughs> movies people like stumble on something and either assume the worst immediately and the person who's that they're assuming it of is never able to just say like no no it's this thing they just go like that's that in so many movies if a man and a woman are caught in a room together even if they're just talking it's assumed that they're like having an affair that yeah. kind of stuff. Always, I guess it's the contrivance of it that bugs me. That's I also why, why I get why Mike Pence can't be alone with a with a lady then. Yeah, because he's been watching too it, many movies. Be... You know. <laughs> That's also why, though, I couldn't watch too much Curb Your Enthusiasm after a while because it was uh-huh. like, if these characters just said one thing that explains the whole situation, which would be very easy to do, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have this problem. Like, there's yeah. so many farces that fall apart because it's like a character just needs to go, hey. Did you think this? Actually, it's this other thing. And then the other character would be like, oh, I see now. I made a mistake. That's right. Like but nobody ever does that. You think like Basil Fawlty's wife would just be like, oh, he's just got some kind of weird scam going again. And that's why he's <laughs> acting weird. Um, so thank I'm you. sorry I don't remember Basil's wife's name. Uh, well, Brunella Scales was the actress. It's yeah. uh, ugh, Why can't I remember oh, either? She's so great. Yeah, she is. Anyway, uh, moving on. I'm going to look it up. Okay, you do that, and I'll move on to this I'll, You move on, and I'll look it up. Okay, thanks. Okay, open up, open up my browser, type All in right. faulty Seems like talking tow- during it just faulty towers. causes okay. problems, so I can't Now let's see. Wikipedia, let's take a look. Click on, uh, uh, click on cast time. list. Okay, let me go down to cast list. Oh, Sybil. That's what the name That's was. Right. Sybil. Okay. Sybil Shepherd. <laughs> okay. By the way, there were just like listeners screaming at us for the past half minute. <laughs> just like out there being like, Sybil. No, they were they were screaming at us going, This is a great bit. Yeah, keep it up. I love it. <laughs> anyway, uh, this next letter is from James Last Name Withheld. Patterson. Right. <laughs> Dearest Floppers. Dan is the best. Now that I've assured my letter will be read. Sounds more like James Woods, am I right? (laughs) I wanted to ask you, I don't know what that meant, but. What, because Uh, Dan is a 16-year-old girl? I don't understand. (laughs) I don't know. Or because does Dan represent like. James Woods is kind of like an asshole and I was making fun of Dan. I don't know. Does Dan represent extreme conservative values and that's why James Woods loves it so much? I don't. Yeah. I'm just being a jerk. Uh, (laughs) Continuing onward. I wanted to ask you guys <laughs> forging ahead. <laughs> I wanted to ask like, you like Shackley in the Antarctic or Shackleton, uh, not Shackleton. Shackleton. I wanted to ask you guys. Um, uh, yeah. Was a, that written? It's sorry. He wrote down. I want to ask you guys. Um, uh, there's a word missing here. So I wanted to parse what he was trying to say. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys why you think that people, or if you think, or why does, so, Dan, did someone throw this letter through your window seconds ago? No, I I read it, but then I forgot that the sentence didn't really make any sense. So, so I'm gonna, a typo. I'm going to rephrase to make it clear what 
he he's saying, I wanted to ask you guys why it's often true that people who do comedy are one musically talented and two struggle with depression, mental health health issues. Um, I don't well, know as a musical either... as a musically talented comedian, I guess I could talk about that. <laughs> yeah. You see, uh, there's just a song in my heart, and I've just got to sing it like this. Uh, yeah, Dan. Dan, you're you uh you hate life. What would you think? What, what do you say? Well, I don't know that the musically talented thing is correct. There are some very high profile comedians who are also musically talented, but I think that that's just the thing of performance. Like, if people are interested in one type of performing, they're usually they're often interested in other types of performing as well. And there are, I think, there's more musically talented people among the general population than is realized by people most of the time. Like the not all people who are musically talented are professional musicians. And you hear so often of like just regular people who play guitar or drums or, you know, clarinet or something like a lot of, or piano. A lot of people treat music as a hobby, even if they're good at it, Yeah, you know? And it's just that I think there's, there's in that, there's probably that same ratio of comedians are good with music as the general population is my guess. I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I feel like a lot of comedians are, like, for instance, I feel like a lot of people that are funny can also be good at other art forms, whether it's, uh, I don't know, acting like you don't like you see more comedy actors who are also good at dramatic roles than mm-hmm. dramatic actors that are also good at comedy roles. And Dan's good at drawing. Yeah, Dan's Dan's got another talent. Yeah. And I'm a mediocre I- guitarist. I, I'm not talented at music, but I like doing it as a hobby, like Elliot says. There is this weird thing where a lot of stand-ups really want to be rock musicians, it seems, or rappers. And a lot of, over time, more and more musicians have wanted to become comedians, which is weird to me. That, like, someone like Justin Timberlake seems to want to have a second career as, like, a comedy performer. And it's like, why would you give up the thing you have, which people love, which is enormous, to, like, do digital bits for SNL? Like, I I don't understand you, Justin Timberlake. And uh, to speak to the depression thing, I'm I'm not sure that that's true. That there's a higher incidence of depressed people among comedians. Like I, I I think that people don't talk about depression a lot, and so people who talk about themselves a lot are are like comedians do. It comes out more often. Maybe. Wait, are you saying that not everybody's just depressed all the time? Well, that's the other thing. I want. Well, no, that, <laughs> no, that's the opposite. Of what I'm saying is <laughs> like I feel like a lot of people are depressed all the time. But also, if it is true that it happens more often in comedians, and again, I'm not sure it is. It might be because people who do comedy are more observant, maybe than the average. Like they're they're literally making observations a lot of the time that lead to comedy and not to be too nihilistic or negative about the world, like noticing things about the world often means you notice bad yeah. things. Yeah, like airline food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, homework. Yeah. What's the deal with that? Have you ever noticed these things? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I what think, do you think, Elliot? I think you're right that I don't – I think it's more a matter of comedians, so many of them, that's what their act is, is talking about their depression. But that's more that part, that part of being a stand-up at least is – talking about yourself and there are many many people struggling with depression who do not talk about it either because they're not comfortable with it or it's not professionally appropriate like at most jobs you can't just start complaining about your depression and not have your supervisor say like hey can you not do that like this is not the place for that like you need a therapist (laughs) 
So and uh, but there's also there's the old stereotype of like the sad clown. Yeah, exactly. Like Pagliacci goes to the doctor and and he's super sad and he can't laugh because he's the one making other people laughing. And I think it's a it's a both just the visibility is higher and also it's a very easy stereotype also for comedians to fall into. I think there's a number of people who are like, oh, I could get my life together, but I'm not supposed to because I'm in comedy. Yeah. So when people are supposed to be like fucked up, when you hear a comedian talk about being depressed, you're like hacky bit, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not that, but there, there are some people who genuinely struggle with depression in a way that they cannot get out of. And oftentimes there's comedy that comes from that. But then I feel like there's also people who are like, Hey, I'm going to play into this. Like I'm, I'm not going to do the work on myself that, I can do, even if it's only going to help me a little bit, because I feel like this is the person I'm supposed to be. Like, I'm supposed to be unhappy because that's what being a comedian is all about. And it's, I don't want to, by doing that, I don't want to delegitimize anyone's genuine depression that they, that is a real trouble for them. I just know that I've known some people in my life who it's like, dude, like you're, you're playing a part and you're not, you know, you could be a person who is, no, not Dan. (laughs) Stuart like reached out to, to rub Dan's shoulder. But, uh, the same way that you meet people who are like, hey, I'm an artist. I'm not supposed to have it together. I'm supposed to be like always in trouble and like making other people fix my messes for me. Yeah. But that's a different issue. Now I'm I, complaining about specific people that I know that I don't want to <laughs> name. Okay. It's called Elliot Subtweet. I also, I, I, also, <laughs> I also just think that like the cheap irony of it appeals to people. Like this person is supposed to be like funny and like that must be being happy all the time but they're sad all the time like yeah there's something in that um so anyway i guess what i'm saying is comedians are not special moving on (laughs) moving on to this last letter which is not a question it's just something kind of nice uh so i thought i'd i'm gonna answer it anyway share something kind of (laughs) nice let me guess it's about how great dan is this is from lydia ivy last name withheld who writes lydia the tattoo lady uh today i'm a woman I was born Louis Jonathan, last name withheld. At 13, I was a man. A bar mitzvah complete with an ill-fitting suit and a cripplingly embarrassing party with no girls. Today, at 29, my final moments as a legal man. Being glared at for laughing out loud outside a courtroom, I was listening to Elliot impersonate Sly Stallone, talking about Estelle Getty and his heart being tender like soft cheese. (laughs) My my first act as a legal woman, finishing that episode while walking home in a lovely, well-fitting dress on a beautiful, sunny afternoon in Oakland. Tonight, I'm throwing a party to celebrate, which will probably be better than my bar mitzvah. There'll be friends of various gender identities, alcohol, and hyphy dance music. Fewer clip-on ties, no cold french fries, but I can probably, uh, but still probably some kugel if I can swing it. Today, I'm a woman, at least for tax purposes and insurance and shit. So congratulations to little Lydia Ivy. I thought that was a nice letter. That is letter. very sweet. That's yeah, great. So. Congrats. Uh, Although I have been to some raging bar mitzvahs, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to bar mitzvahs that cost more than my wedding. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like, with like a, uh, have you been to a bar mitzvah where there's like, uh, like an MC hype man who like follows oh, yeah. the birthday boy around and then like all the oh, dancers birthday boy are, is the wrong way to put it. And. Or what a, you know, whatever. I know, the bar mitzvah boy. Bar mitzvah boy, yeah. sure. I didn't like, say I understand bar, it. I, I'm, a, there, you know, I'm an outsider. There's situation. a bar mitzvah hype man who follows the happy couple around. <laughs> and the, no, but yeah, uh, I've been to many bar mitzvahs where there's a hype man and a dance team. And the there dance, to like get people moving. I'm, and the da- dance team, in, I mean, 
in my untrained eye always appear to be like deceptively young looking where I'm like, <laughs> they're, they're probably not 13, but they, they're meant to be able to pass for 16, which is mm. kind of weird to me. Yeah. Uh, well, I've and then they tricked me into a fucking too. Zumba routine. Like I'm standing there on the I'm dancing <laughs> on the dance floor and my wife turns she, she, to me and she's like, is this Zumba? And then all of a sudden the music is like Zumba, 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 Zumba. <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes a Tybo workout. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Next thing you know, you're just crossfitting around. Yeah. This has been Stuart Wellington remembers bar mitzvahs. <laughs> Stuart Wellington's bar mitzvah horror stories. <laughs> No, I was not being in I said I would never perform a Zumba routine, and yet there I was, <laughs> Zumbaing around. Uh, anyway, uh, Bar Mitzvah horror stories aside, uh, that is a very sweet letter, and congratulations. Uh, and I'm, I can speak for maybe all of us, I think, when I say we're happy that you are, you know, being the person you want, you want to be and you feel comfortable as, and that you should be. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the final segment of the show. I feel like, wait, let me just say one yeah, thing. One sure. thing. I, I talked earlier Comedians about. Comedians suck. Uh, what? Comedians suck. Yeah, now it's on to roasting again. No, but what I was saying in that, in that, to the previous letter about like people not doing the work to be, to be the people that they should be or the people that they, you know, the, the versions of themselves. I feel like that then the second letter was exactly that sort of thing, being like, okay, this is the person that I want to be. I'm going to do the work that it takes to be that person. It takes a lot of work and against, I'm guessing, a lot of a lot of unnecessary obstacles. And it always makes me very happy when someone has achieved that sort of, that self-realization, you know? Yeah, I mean, I admire it so much considering that, like, I feel like for most things, I put the bare minimum amount of work into life. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I know that's got to be so hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Um, again, though, moving on to the last segment of the letters. Podcast. Hey, everybody, it's letter time. Last segment of the show. Letters. Dan, read another letter. No, we're doing our recommendations of movies that you should watch instead of the snowman. Oh, okay. Um, because we could have some more letters. Hey, everybody, well, write us out, some letters. So. <laughs> Wait, know, what? I didn't pick any extra ones out, so I don't think we could have any extra letters. <laughs> oh, so where do, where do I start my change.org petition to force you to pick more letters? Uh, uh, I think, I mean, I think you said it when you just said that. <laughs> Go to change.org. <laughs> oh, right, right. Right. Good point. Good point. Uh, I'll recommend so, a So, movie. Dan, what, what's this segment? It's recommendations of movies. <laughs> and we okay. recommend movies, right? Yeah. Not the one. What about books? Not, not the. Yeah. Can we recommend books? Uh, I've done it before and you guys were really down on me for it. So <laughs> probably not. Okay. So I'm going to recommend a movie called The Snowman. Okay. Uh, it stars a, uh, stars a snowman. It's a twist. Uh, Dan, okay. you, you recommend your movie. Uh, I watched the movie Southern Comfort. At they were showing it at the uh, now, Dan, it sounds like you're recommending an alcoholic beverage and not a movie. <laughs> Are you tricking us again? Uh, I would never recommend Southern Comfort. It's gross. Wow. Hot take wow, alarm. What a, a flip-flop. You were just about to recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> no, not the drink. I'm recommending the movie directed by Walter Hill, who directed The Warriors, among other things. And Bullet to the Head. Uh, yeah. A movie that I think we kind of liked eventually. I think that's yeah, where yeah, it came sure. down. Yeah. Um, so Southern Comfort is about a group of uh, National Guardsmen 
in, I believe, Louisiana. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Uh, Checks out. That's the South. They go into... And quite comfortable. Dan, is there anything else I can do to make you stay a little more pleasant? (laughs) I will have another slice of that delicious pie, ma'am. Okay, that'll be $13, please. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. Real tourist trap you're in. Southern (laughs) hospitality that I heard about. (laughs) Would you like a picture of you eating that pie? That'll be another $25, but I'm happy to do it. Hey, how about I freshen up your sweet tea? That'll be $45, please. (laughs) Wow, you're already doing it. This trip south is bankrupting me. I'm not a fan of the uh, taking the picture first and then showing it to me and trying to get me to pay for it. Like, I'm paying for you for the work. That sucks. It's like uh, putting a bracelet on my wrist and then being like, that's five bucks. And I'm like, I didn't even ask for this bracelet. Yeah, but I'm guilting you into paying for it because it'll be more work to not to. Anyway, Dan, I'm glad to have you here at my Airbnb. It's called. <laughs> uh, that'll be, again, another $300 a night just All for right. the soap. Okay, well, thanks. Uh, anyway, this bit was great, but Southern Comfort, <laughs> the movie, uh, is about these uh, National Guardsmen who go on these training uh, exercises in the swamp, and they've mostly just got blanks in their guns, and uh, they go and they run into some Cajuns. They make a few mistakes. Uh, they're, they borrow a, a boat from the Cajuns, and then one of the people shoots off a couple of rounds of uh, blanks to scare them, and uh, they don't get—they don't take it as a joke. These Cajuns, uh, as you might expect, they're not happy about interlopers in their uh, backwoods uh, Cajun hideaway. Now, would and you call these Cajuns Ragin' at this point? Yeah. These Cajuns are at that point Ragin'. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they start picking off the soldiers one by one. And uh, it's very tense. I actually, I have to admit, I fell asleep a little bit during the second act. Because <laughs> I was tired. Wow. It's, it's a tense pot boiler that also functions as a sedative. <laughs> I, I slept. I slept because I was tired. The movie started at 930. I was a little tired. Uh, but it's not the kind of movie where if you drift off for a little bit, you're lost. It's a very simple premise. <laughs> wow, <laughs> clever way to turn. <laughs> but I did watch turn the, lemons into lemonade. I did watch the third act, which has the third act has just an amazing. I did watch the third act. Raves Dan. <laughs> <laughs> the third act has an amazing sequence set to uh, this Cajun music, where these guys have to uh, escape a. A conclave of, of these people and it's uh just really tense and exciting and and fun and so i recommend southern comfort i love that walter hill i'm sure was listening to that and was like oh an underseen movie of mine i can't wait to hear it. what <laughs> i think dan turning around at the end you know yeah yeah it was a it was a it was a full arc of a story yeah. <laughs> that was that second act uh breakup that dan hates um mm-hmm uh, oh man, I have I have two movies that I really strongly want to recommend, and I don't want to wait till next episode to split them up. So I'm going to do them both. Uh, I yesterday I watched uh, Call Me by Your Name right before because uh, the Oscars are tonight, and it's one of the last ones that I hadn't seen. And oh man, I couldn't stop crying after that. It's just fucking great, man. Uh, all the performances are great. Uh, it really captures the feel of being. Uh, like young and in love and on vacation and also the way that when you're as a like when you're a teenager the way you look up to people that are a few years older or a lot of years older and uh, and the way you kind of 
both idolize and want to emulate them, but also that gets mixed in with like desire and the way that even, even if you were to take like sexual attraction out of there, the way you might resent when the, the, your idol shares any kind of attention with someone that isn't you. Uh, it's just, man, it's just so great. I totally recommend it. And, uh, I also want to recommend annihilation. Um, a uh, a science fiction movie based on a series of books that I really liked, and the movie is a lot different, very much its own thing. Uh, it is obvious at this point, very much underseen. I think it by the time this comes out, it'll probably already have left theaters. Um, and it's a weird one, like it's beautiful and scary, and uh, it's. It's, I don't know. It's not, it's certainly not for everyone. I've already had one argument over text message with my mother-in-law about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the, yeah, it's just great. Like I, the, the other day I was, I was making breakfast and my wife came into the kitchen and she was like, what, what music, what's that music you're playing? And I'm like, Crosby, Stills and Nash. And Charlene's like, is that because of that movie? <laughs> so I guess it's it's a lot like seeing Annihilation is a lot like going into the shimmer. You you don't come back unchanged. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it's just a hard movie. I don't know. Go see it. Annihilation. It's great. Yeah, I'll co-sign that. I saw it and I loved it. So uh, I haven't seen it, but I'll co-sign the lease because I trust you guys. You're not going to leave me with the bill for Annihilation? Uh, I mean, I don't think so. I, I, I enjoyed it. I'll, I'll gladly pay, pay my price or the, the okay. price of a ticket, you know? Good. Cause I, cause I trust you guys, you know, this, I don't want to be left holding the bag on this. I, I don't hurt, know if credit it's, rating. I don't know if it's for you. Elliot, do you like, do you like intelligent science fiction movies? Mm, how would you classify Johnny mnemonic? Is that intelligent? <laughs> uh, I would say it's pretty intelligent. That's the one where Takeshi Kitano has a monofilament whip for a thumb, right? <laughs> yeah, and where Dolph Lundgren is some kind of cyborg priest. That was that was great because after I saw that movie, every single game of Shadowrun I was in featured at least one one heavy that had a monofilament whip thumb. <laughs> <laughs> they could have come up with that idea on their own. You never know. That's a common idea. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> monofilament whip thumb. Just a coincidence. Okay, yeah. guys. Time for me to uh, recommend a movie. And you know what? This movie has a connection with the movie we watched today and that it was also edited by Thelma Schoonmacher, the uh, the longtime editor of Martin Scorsese movies. Hey, it's a Martin Scorsese movie. Maybe that's why. And I wanted to recommend the movie Silence uh, that came out a couple years ago. That's uh, It's a movie about two uh, Portuguese missionaries who have been sent to Japan in the 17th century when... Japan has outlawed Catholicism and is actively uh, just killing Catholics left and right. And they've been sent to find a Catholic priest who was went missing before them and who it's rumored has given up on the faith and given in and become a uh, complicit with the Japanese government. And it's a kind of a lumpy movie. Not everything in it works perfectly. And by a certain point, when you've seen the sixth or seventh person tortured in it, you're like, all right, okay, this is a lot of <laughs> Okay, <torture."> Eli Roth. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, but I thought, but the, it's another one of these instances of like, you're watching certain scenes and you're like, oh yeah, this is because Martin Scorsese is one of the best kind of like just technical filmmakers around. And I found it, 
very moving in the sense of a movie that like takes faith seriously, but is not blinded to the problems of faith and to the, it doesn't try to answer the questions that it raises about whether kind of faith is worth it and what you owe to somebody else because of their faith or because of your faith and what the best way to express your, your religion or your love for God is. Uh, and I found, uh, yeah, the performance is really good in it. And it's a movie that never quite reaches the heights that it's reaching for, but it makes you think a lot about those heights. And I really in- enjoyed that aspect of it. It's a, it's a long in, right? It's long. It's a, well, it's like, uh, yeah, it's about two hours and 40 minutes long. And that's and got, uh, so, it's got Garfield and Kylo Ren in it, right? Yes. It's got Spider-Man and Kylo Ren cool. as the, as the main characters. And they're looking for Liam Neeson, who ironically has been taken himself this time now, by a Japanese political system. How many ninjas are in the movie? Too many? Uh, there are, call it too many ninjas? I would say, no, yeah, the other alternate title for the movie was Too Many Ninjas. <laughs> oh, no, man. Uh, there's no ninjas in it. Uh, and it's it's also one of these movies I thought you where, said it was set in feudal Japan, Elliot. Uh, yep, yeah, true. Good point. Well, there are some samurai. Okay. It, but uh, it is one of these movies, too, where it's like you have your big American stars uh, and Liam Neeson, who's, what, Irish? But uh, And Andrew Garfield's not American either, I guess. But uh, no. the, then you have the <laughs> Japanese actors in it, and the Japanese actors just blow the American Western actors away. Like, the Japanese mm. actors are so good in it. And in a way that, like, mixes there's like two styles of japanese acting and i'm generalizing greatly there's a very big over-the-top style that's usually done by the like crazy or outcast character uh-huh. which is a very subdued small style of acting and both of those are on display here really fantastically so like, the it's acting all... is, is fantastic in it it's the full uh mifune spectrum yeah basically yeah yeah you get both sides they use all parts of the mifune in this one <laughs> Uh, so silence underseen Martin Scorsese. It's long. It's an undertaking, but I would recommend it. All right. Okay. Dan, Dan any, uh, any scrolling pics on your phone? Anything cool in there? Uh, I got a text <laughs> from a mutual friend and I was just saying what that was about. So. Oh, cool. You got to the bottom of it. Yeah. I, yeah. Dan, <laughs> Dan McCoy text detective solved another case. Oh, uh, finally text dog detective. <laughs> uh, so we should sign off. That being the last segment of the show, the next thing that happens is usually going home. Yeah, I like, or except for you who are in your home already and me who's in my home. Yeah. Dan, I'd like to salute the way that we were just kind of rolling the, the show to a, a regular close. Uh-huh. We had like kind of a, a low-key momentum going. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you decided the brother to check of it, Thor. Of Thor. You decided to check the text on your phone and throw off even what little energy we had <laughs> go, going into the I conclusion. Mean, Guys, for I to wanna, be fair, no one needed to comment on the fact that I was looking at my phone. It could have passed unremarked upon. Mm, I don't know if that's in my character, Dan. <laughs> that's not. That's not me living my truth. Yeah. Now, uh, before we sign off, I say we do like a we do a prediction because I mean it, our predictions are going to seem ridiculous. Like when I said that no way would we hire a president with hair as ridiculous as Jonathan Price in our GI Joe retaliation episode. <laughs> yeah, and, and I exactly have not been happened. able to live it down. <laughs> You were like, no way will we elect a president who's an openly evil man working for a power that wants to destroy America. No way. But then uh-huh. we did it. Yeah. Uh, that was that was all I could think about on that uh, that election night was my, <laughs> my stupid words coming to haunt me. Um, but uh, yeah, do you have a do you have any prediction? Oscar predictions? Best picture? Do you have something you would like to win? I think. I mean, there's a. Uh, it's weird because so many people focus on. The Academy Awards either snubs or the losers, but 
there are so many things nominated this year where I'm like, yeah, I could see that winning and I, and it would deserve it. Like there were a lot of really good movies that came out this past year. And like you have all these, I'm sure the one movie I really haven't seen much of is darkest hour. And I'm sure that'll win a bunch cause it's kind of easy going, you know, but uh, like in a year when you have like movies as diverse as, and I don't mean diverse in terms of racial and gender, but just in type of movie as get out, Call Me By Your Name, Lady Bird, Shape of Water. Phantom like Thread. Nominated. What? Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread. Yeah, like being nominated for things. It's like there is a – there's a. I like to look at the Oscars less as about the winners and more about what type of stuff – the variety of stuff that gets nominated. And it's like movies are in a pretty good place if they can have that they that wide and that high a quality of stuff. Does it mean the best thing will win? No, probably not. But I kind of love that we live in a place right now where – not that, not the place where the Oscars have gotten very politically polarized, which is I understand why it is, and I agree with much of it, and I don't agree with all of it. But that in a world where Shape of Water is becoming like the middle of the road consensus mainstream <laughs> choice, yeah, yeah. which is a movie about oh, it's a Guillermo del Toro movie about a woman who has sex with a fish man, yeah. and where like it's a crazy movie and the, the that we live in a world that has become so comfortable with that type of movie that it's like. Oh yeah, a lot of the older people are picking Shape of Water because they just feel more comfortable with it. Like I like that. I like that aspect of this world that like, we live in. This movie does feature a fish man eating masturbation eggs, but it does celebrate classic Hollywood. So. <laughs> but it's like this is the movie that really reflects where we are. It's a movie where a fish man bites the head off a cat, and it's kind of an adorable moment in a way because it's like, oh, he doesn't know. He's just a fish man. Like, mm-hmm. as much as there are a lot of great movies that are nominated this year, and like, I don't know, if you look at it as a field of nominees being honored by getting greater attention that way, I think it's, I think we're in good shape. But who's going to win? I don't know. Dan Stewart, what do you guys think? I've, I've rambled on. I mean, but do you have something you would like to win? Do you have a favorite of the Best Picture nominees? Do you have a snub? Like, I wish Florida, I, mean, I, I wish Florida Project had been nominated for Best Picture because it's really beautiful and great. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'd rather look at the, I'd rather look at the the positive side of it and what did get nominated than be like, oh, but not this one because you don't have to fucking dunk on me, dude. I was just trying to talk talk up Florida project. (laughs) No, no. I'm like Florida project. Sorry. You didn't bring it all. You didn't want it badly enough, (laughs) but, uh, but I don't know. It's like if I think I'll only be disappointed if the post wins, I guess if it's like, because that is a movie that feels like, (laughs) okay, this is a movie that did not try particularly hard to do anything. And it feels so bland and it feels like, I mean, and the people who made it are amazing. Everyone is is amazing. Steven Spielberg's amazing. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's the disappointment for me is you have some of the most talented high profile people in, in the movies and this is what they made. And it feels like you can make, you can make a movie like spotlight, which is very similar and is so good. Mm -hmm. And so tense and, and immediate, or you can make a movie like the post where it's like, all right, like it feels like I'm watching like like history illustrated comics or something like that, you know, and it's just about eating my vegetables or something. And talking and talking about like the freedom of press is important, but try not to make it seem so boring. <laughs> well, like here's a movie that's like, hey, freedom of the press is important, and never during the movie did I feel like, oh, I I ha- they have to get this story out. I'm like, I'm gonna this is like it never made me feel anything. And it doesn't help that the first half of the movie is a bunch of people being like, look at all the great work the New York Times is doing. It's like, yeah, they are. Like, why am I paying attention to you assholes? Like, (laughs) let's go look at the Times. They're doing it, you know. 
Yeah. It's like if uh, if the Bad News Bears, if the Bad News Bears were spent the whole movie being like, look at that team of misfits that's winning all the games. Oh, man, I wish we could be like them. Like, yeah, let me see them. Or if uh, Teen Wolf was about one of the other teams, and they're like, oh, we wish we had a Teen Wolf on our team. Man, wouldn't that be great if we had our own werewolf? Yeah, show me the werewolf, dude. That's my big my big. Show me the werewolf. Show me the werewolf. All right. Uh, I mean, I don't really have much to say. I, I want, I, if, if my favorite movie of the year that I saw one, uh-huh. it would be Phantom Thread, but I looked at the odds makers and that has, uh-huh. they currently have that as 100 to one. So. <laughs> and you're that one. Oh wait, I, I can think of one. There's one movie I wish was nominated for more stuff and that's Mother because I thought yeah. that was yeah, it's a really amazing movie, but I, it's like. It's a weird movie. I get what, but it's like in a world where mother is too weird, but shape of water is not, we're getting closer to a world where mother is not too weird. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean like they changed the makeup of the voting Academy. And I think, I think you really see it. I think that there are a lot of younger in quotes movies being honored. Um, and that's nice to see. Yeah. I don't know. I hope get out wins. Cause it's awesome. Okay. <laughs> It is awesome, and what that, but that's it's like what's wonderful about where we are now in terms of movies is that I feel like the Oscars have gotten decoupled from the idea of these are the best movies. Yeah. Like of the past ten years, how many times was the? And I'm sure this is true for all of cinema history, but it's so much easier to see movies now and to see them if you missed them before that like you don't have to rely on them winning best picture to be remembered for 100 years like get out's going to be remembered for 100 years yeah and it doesn't need to win best picture to do that but if it did win best picture i'd be really happy cuz it's a great movie yeah that'd be interesting too i mean you know silence of the lambs was the last horror movie that won best picture you know i like a little genre in my uh in my films mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i would consider the king's speech a horror movie whoa the horror of whether he's going to be able to give that speech. Did he? <laughs> did that win Best Picture? It did, yeah. I believe. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah. I mean, it's fine. I, I was guess. looking back at the last few, the last few movies that won. I mean, Birdman is kind of a horror movie in some ways, but the last there are like a bunch of movies that won Best Picture where you're like, oh yeah, that's right, because the movie that wins Best Picture gets forgotten much <laughs> of the time. Like who's who's out there watching The Artist right now, or like yeah. watching. The King's Speech or Chicago or any, you know, any of that stuff. Yeah. It's so, like a, like a curse. So yeah. basically what we're saying is this segment, which was already not uh, relevant because it'll come out long after the Oscars is extra not relevant because the Oscars <laughs> aren't relevant. Yeah. I guess, that's, I guess that's fine. I just want to talk about movies with my friends for a second, <laughs> <Okay>. Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've literally been doing it for two hours at this point, but sure. Okay, cool, fine. Signing off, you're Dan, I'm Stuart, and that's Elliot. Peace. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I guess we're leaving on that note. <laughs> yeah, well, who who caused that? Who played that note, Dan? You did. All right. I said peace, dude. <laughs> he said peace, but it sounded more like war. Yeah, all right. Uh, I guess namaste to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm gonna let's do it let's do it nice this time i've been dan mccoy hey i'm Stuart wellington hey i'm elliot kalen the nice guy saying have a nice day from us the flop house the positivity podcast that's all about making everybody feel better and compliments
All right. Uh, good night, everyone. And our waiter is an old friend of Alex Smith's, who uh, this guy Brendan, who plays the guy who goes crazy in the beginning of the new—not uh, new, but uh, recent, more recent—Amityville uh, horror remake with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> big stars. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, it was a glamour night. Yeah, he was saying uh, that when they shot a scene where uh, they were both in a bathroom, like Ryan Reynolds is in a bathroom looking in a mirror and he sees Brendan's face instead of his own face. Uh, mm. <laughs> Brendan was like, yeah, he was like wet in every scene and man, he's just got an amazing body. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's my I review for Amityville Horror. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.